This week on Invasion of the Podcast, HBO Max is now charging you more not to see Batgirl. Some folks sure got a strange idea of entertainment. And I determine if Paul is a comics wizard. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion the Podcast, where you try to take over the world seven to eight hours at a time. Uh, my name is Paul, and somewhere out there, uh, he's back. It's Steve. The man with the raspy voice, or uh, not the raspy voice, the uh, the shitty joke that didn't work at the intro. Um, uh, the man with all the maggots coming out of his face? That's not fair. I don't think that's right at all. No, no. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to make a joke about... Uh, about the noises that I make when other people are talking, you know, my heavy breathing, but, uh, <laughs> well, though, though you're just, it's them. And then you're slowly walking towards them like Jason. Uh, and then you just hear that you hear the breathing, right? You got to get, you know, like that's part Is of he it. walking. No, he's just sitting there. He's not moving at all, <laughs> but, but somehow he gets closer every time we turn around. <laughs> he's back. He's the man with the, the breathy rasp. I don't know what that means. Anyway. So, uh, welcome to the show, everybody. I forgot to post the social media. Um, we've pushed back, uh, body bags another week. I just, I feel bad because I'm like, we should get to more John Carpenter, which I'm looking forward to, but it almost sounds like we don't want to talk about that movie, but we're, we're covering it next week. And, and I promise for sure this time, this isn't, um, this isn't a Lucy in the football situation, but we're talking about some Friday 13th part six this evening. Cause this episode will come out on a Friday 13th. So we decided to have a little bit of fun with that. Yeah. I, I had mentioned it to Paul. Cause I was like, ah, you know, it, it seems unfortunate. You know, I'm like, not that I want to push it back even further. Cause I, I really do want to talk about body bags, but it, it just, it seemed it seemed natural for us to release a Friday thirteenth uh, themed episode on Friday thirteenth. Yeah. So. so and we're talking about part six, uh, which I know uh, Steve had to twist my arm to talk about. So that we'll get to that later. And then we have a quiz uh, regarding uh, some wizardry that has probably more wizard content than what I talked about last week for for everybody. Uh, whenever I I promised Steve I was going to talk about Harry Potter, and then I um, I pulled a double fake. <laughs> on him and did uh talk. did you watch the re- the, the the reconciler did your life get changed because of that movie i i did not oh. get to it um <laughs> i i've put it on the list though sure um <laughs> it is dove approved i mean just remember that um <laughs> i don't know i i um yeah it feels like one that i should be watching uh under the influence of certain things and uh, as we had a discussion, before the Holy we ghost recording this evening, yeah, the Holy ghost is what you're saying. You wanted to be under the influence. Of, I, I of am Jesus. not at this time oh, partaking okay. of, uh, of the alcohols. So, uh, 
I kind of feel like I would need to be in a very good mood to sit down and watch that. Like I, I almost imagine watching it sober would be painful. I, I almost, I would almost imagine watching it at all will be painful, but yeah, uh, you got to do something to dull the pain. But anyway, yeah, that, that just, I hope people appreciate the journey I took. So you didn't have to, but maybe you'll do it later, you know, whatever. Anyway. So yeah, we got, we got some, uh, you know, some, some fun stuff to talk about this evening before we get to all that though. Uh, let's get to, you know, what people want to hear from us is 40 to 47 minutes of weekend talk. So what did you get into over the weekend? So in, in listening to last week's episode where I, I barreled through, like trying to give very quick summations of comic books, uh, um, over a period of like 15 minutes, uh, we all know brevity is not my friend guys. So, uh, instead I'm just going to talk about like one thing that I read this week is that's part of my goal for the year is, is just keep reading, uh, and make sure that I'm, uh, not like there's a homework assignment or anything like that, but like I am making time for reading comics, mm-hmm. you know, something that I love to do, but for whatever reason, just can't seem to, uh, find the time for anymore. So I've been making time in my schedule to read comics and, uh, the thing that I'll talk about this week is, is I finally read uh, um, Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk, which is uh, by Damon Lindelof and uh, Laniel Yu. Um, I don't know how much of the Ultimate Universe stuff you read, um, and I guess the Ultimates now is is probably 20 years old at this point, so um, I don't know how involved you were in the Ultimate Universe. I can say for myself, I dipped my toe in where i i you know was interested uh i would like to at some point because i've read a handful of issues of amazing or ultimate spider-man i don't know i almost said amazing but ultimate spider-man um and i know like bagley pencils literally like the first hundred issues i think i think he more than that i think i think he did more than that uh i sorry i cut you off i read like like seven eight nine uh trades worth of ultimate spider-man Okay. So I, you know, because he and Bendis together, they tr- they, the other thing we're gonna talk about, right, is like their partnership of doing Spider-Man. Well, just that um, I don't have like a super uh, amount of uh, knowledge or having. I haven't read a lot of it. I've picked and choose where I was. Like I've read some of the Ultimate Spider-Man, probably within the first like five issues, and then I read Marvel ultimate spider-man team up which was a fun book which was just bendis being like hey i picked you know uh a guy that you'd never get to see draw spider-man as the artist for this issue so he's going to do this one and he's teaming up with wolverine or this this issue um and i only ran for like 25 issues so like my knowledge of the ultimate universe is very sporadic is the point that i was trying to make Mm -hmm. and i only brought up bagley because i i I think that he tried to and succeeded. Uh, so I shouldn't even say he's tried. He succeeded in beating Kirby for the most amount of issues penciled consecutively. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe with ultimate Spider-Man and I knew that for Kirby, it was over. I believe a hundred with fantastic four. So uh, the whole reason that I brought that up was, is I wanted to take your temperature on what your knowledge of the ultimate universe was. And if you did a lot of reading, did you go outside of ultimate Spider-Man? Yeah. I read the first two volumes of ultimates. Right. And so yeah. like, um, you know, which I know laid the groundwork for, I mean, both of those books laid the groundwork for a lot of what we think about the MCU now. Uh, though I'm glad that, that, um, and you know, 
in hindsight, even with having Joss Whedon kind of the one steering the ship to begin with, I'm glad that they didn't go as um, dark as they did with the Ultimate Avengers because there's some really messed up shit in that. And you talk about the Hulk. Yeah, there's some messed up shit there too. Um, so I, in regards to Ultimate X-Men, I have not read any of that. Okay, yeah. I I feel like I've read a handful of issues, but not enough to be like, oh, an expert on it. And I did read... I believe the first two volumes of the ultimates as well. I am not a huge Mark Millar fan. I don't know if you say it Millar or Miller, um, but uh, I, I think it's Millar. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's something about his writing uh, that just doesn't gel with me. Um, that said, I do know that ultimates. Yeah. There's uh, a good chunk of what's the heart of, I guess the ultimates in the Avengers without the ugliness. Um, particularly when it comes to Hulk and I believe Hank Pym uh, in yeah. both of those. Uh, yeah. Um, and I will say though, uh, Steve Rogers beats the living shit out of Hank Pym. Like it's yeah. like, it's, it's something to, to see in turn. And also was it the Hulk goes after, uh, what was it? Freddie Prince jr. I th- and I'm not joking. Yes. about that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not wrong on that. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. that was another thing that Millar was doing was he was sprinkling in like celebrities where he could. I mean, fury notwithstanding like he uh i believe like if i if i remember correctly like we open on iron man or tony stark i should say in like space with i feel like he's up there with like shannon elizabeth i or think something. so yeah it, he's yeah yeah, yeah being an ultimate party boy and then when fury that's the first time we get like um the sam jackson well you know yeah based i mean again i a good decision Right. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. But anyway, sorry, I'm taking uh, taking steam out of what you're saying, but yes, continue. Yeah, no. So, uh, uh, with that in mind, I was like, Oh, you know what? I bought this. Okay. So I bought the first issue like 15, 20 years ago, whenever it comes out. And I, 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 I guess it's probably somewhere in the 2005 to 2010 era. I think long story short that I, I believe lost is like the big thing at the time. Uh, that Lindelof is working on because mm-hmm. he's, you know, a TV and movie writer. Um, and I believe we also have him to thank for uh, Prometheus. So um, he, it was him who worked with uh, Ridley Scott on the Prometheus story, right? I'm not I think so. that up. I, th- okay. I think you're right. Although I know a lot of people swear by Watchmen. But uh, to get to the point about the comic that uh, I wanted to talk about, it had been staggered. And this is not me you know, cracking wise about, uh, it's release schedule, but I think it took like four or five years to come out. Like it was six issues. And so like you go years without getting issues. And I bought the first issue and then I think I waited on the second issue and then I just kind of forgot about it. And then one day it just showed up in comiXology as like a full trade. And I was like, Oh, this, this thing finished, you know, and it probably finished 10 years ago. I, I don't know specifically, when it actually finished, but um, I was like, oh, this is a thing. So I'm, I'm finally going to read this story that I read the first issue to, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And what is interesting about it is, is that uh, uh, it starts with Hulk literally ripping Wolverine in half, like separating his torso from his legs and then taking his legs and being like, Chuck, I'm going to throw these miles away. Um, so a lot of the story is told through flashback as 
Wolverine is crawling to try to get to his legs, which again, that's one of those things that, you know, I know with the healing factor, you can say, you know, we can do anything that we want to Wolverine. He's just going to grow back. And it's not that he grows a second pair of legs. It's that if he gets to his legs, they can be connected and he'll heal. Hmm. Um, which I'm like, I, I'm like, I, is that how the mutation works? I always <laughs> thought it was like, you know, if he broke a, a well, he's got an animating team skeleton most of the time. But if he if he broke a bone, let's say it would heal like that. Or if he got hit by a car, because I do remember uh, an issue of Wolverine where he gets hit by a car and like literally is like just mincemeat. I think it is after he gets his adamantium ripped up out of him and he survives it, but they're, everybody's in shock because he's just like a twisted pile of meat basically. Um, so I guess I don't know specifically what the limitations of his healing factor would be, but I was like, that's kind of a good, that's, that's a good opening, you know, to be like, I'm going to start off my Wolverine Hulk book with him literally ripping him in half. I just would hope that there'd be a brief bit of like, you know how, like when you're a kid and you try to pull apart an action figure and you got that black rubber band in the middle that can't yeah. quite go to begin with. I would have liked that where Hulk is trying to get Wolverine apart and it's like, you know, the first bit. Like, you know, he has to get that spine stretched out enough, you know, like, um, yeah. But, uh, it's, it's an interesting story. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's a lot of depth to it in the sense that it's, it's Wolverine versus Hulk. And the one thing that I will say uh, about it, uh, that I guess count as quote unquote criticism is, is that Damon Lindelof is clearly a good writer and a clever guy. And he spends a lot of time, you know, with Wolverine essentially being in two place in, in two pieces so that the story unfolds more through flashbacks. And you're kind of at a point by like the fourth issue where you're just like, you know what? I, I appreciate how well drawn this is. I appreciate, you know, the storytelling that's happening. Um, but I kind of want to see Hulk and Wolverine just fight. Can we get, can I just give me an issue of that? Like, give me what you sold me on, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and you do get some good fight stuff with them. And Lanil, Yu is a, an amazing artist. He's somebody that I haven't looked at enough, I think, uh, particularly in relooking at this. And, uh, he's, I think, and, you know, I don't know every Wolverine artist who's worked on Wolverine in the last 20 years, but it, when, like, I think of uh, comic book artists that aren't, like, you know, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, um, either of the Cuberts, like, Lanil Yu is probably that next level for me in the sense of, like, he's he's up there, you know, he's not John Bashima, don't get me wrong, but, like, he's he, he's top tier of the Hulk artist. I'm sorry, of Wolverine artists, in my opinion. So, um, I would recommend the book. Um, I just wish it was, I, I wish that it wasn't trying to be so clever and it was just got a little bit more into the meat and bones of like, Hey, you know, this is two super power, you know, powerhouses going at each other for, you know, 20 pages. Like, give me that. Yeah. Cause you've got a, a great artist to draw it. And as fun as it is to like, keep going back and forth between Wolverine and, and, you know, him trying to get to his legs. And then, uh, at one point Hulk is going to eat one of his legs and it's like, all right, you guys are doing a lot of talking. I, I kind of want to get to 
these two beating the shit out of each other. So, well, um, fair enough. I, it also feels like that would be delivered on the promise of like, we got the first time Wolverine appeared, right? Ever. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I'd also like, I w- I'll make a recommendation. It's funny because we've talked about, uh, Mark Millar, uh, and how maybe he's not like, I mean, I agree with you with what you're saying about his writing. He did uh, an arc on Wolverine, um, that I, I didn't read the the whole series, but I read this arc called Envy of the state. Uh, it's him and, uh, John Romeo jr. Doing the artwork. And it's, um, he, Wolverine becomes like, he, like he was abducted and became a sleeper agent for Hydra and they turned mm-hmm. him on. And basically you get this whole thing where him just, he has an agenda and his brain is aware of it, but his body's not listening to him. And so like he's going through and it's like basically this question of like, what if Wolverine didn't give a shit? Like how hard would be, would, would he be to stop if he was the bad guy? Mm-hmm. And it, it's really interesting because the way his, his, the way his brain examines the fantastic four and how he takes them out is like, Oh, all right. Never thought about that before. Like, because it's like the human torch grabs him and tries to drag him out like, of the Baxter building. And, and you, in Logan's mind, he's like, yeah, he's burning away my wrists, but I can hang on. You know, it's like, you know, that you're sacrificing yourself to, to wear him out. It's like, it, it's a cool, it's a cool book. So if you want something, that's also kind of more of like a rampage, like just Wolverine running through people. It's it's a good book to read, and it has a point to it too. Even the way like Daredevil handles him is is it's 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 not clever by half, but there's some smart writing in it. Yeah, I have quite a bit of Wolverine uh, that I need to read. I have um, Old Man Logan, which that's I know solid. The movie I, is yeah. I read I read the first trade of that. That's solid. Yeah, I know the movie is loosely loosely based on that, but the, the whole idea of like he's an old Wolverine. Um, I have, I've never actually read weapon X, so I, I bought that, hmm. um, within well, the last year. Maybe there's something reading. we should dig into before uh, Deadpool three, you know, maybe we'll target something we'll okay. talk about. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's, that's, you know, I didn't really do much else this weekend, but, uh, um, wanted to mention at least one of the comics that I read, uh, like, uh, maybe going forward, maybe, you know, I'll, when I read something, I feel like I have something to say about. I'll, I'll talk about it. Okay, fair enough. So um, I do want to mention. I, I, I have I have a brief story that I'll mention. Something I did watch because you and I were talking before we started recording. It's something uh, kicked off in my head. So uh, last week, um, obviously, uh, it was like what was it, the first the big bulk pickup of the year for trash you know, uh, in Cleveland. So you can, you to put out your bulk items, whatever, you know, and I saw so many dead Christmas trees outside, uh, that bummed me out. Cause I'm like, well, they grew up for no good reason, but I, um, decided, I think I've told you my stories of me and my air fryer that I bought and somehow ended up murdering by accident. Um, where it's like, just don't really put oil in it. And I'm like, I know what I'm doing. And this thing has never stopped bleeding since then. And it became like, it's like if, if the, you know, the lament configuration was an air fryer. That would be my air fryer. It's just constantly like, yeah, it could bring some delights, but it's never going to stop bleeding. And <laughs> so it's been like, it's just been this thing where I, I just, I, cause my original air fryer I had was a basket fryer. So like, you're supposed to kind of do it a different way, but this one's more, it you're, you're supposed to do it differently. And I didn't pay attention to it. And I jacked it up from the beginning. So then um, over the holiday week, I was with Best Buy and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to look at air fryers. And I found one that's almost identical to the one I had. It's like two years newer. And it was like a hundred dollars cheaper than when I had bought mine originally. And I'm like, okay, fine. I want to buy a new one. So 
I get that home. It's it's all it's in the kitchen now. I've cleaned it and everything. I've been terrified to use it because I'm like, what if I kill this one too? You know, like what if that's what if I'm an like I didn't know that I have, you know, like I'm a serial killer, but just of air fryers. What if what if that I didn't know that? That would be a really expensive murder spree. But anyway, so I took the other one. This thing, it's supposed to be stainless steel. How do you stain steel, Paul? I don't know, but I did. Uh, and this thing is just like, it's, it was silver to begin with, but by the time I took it out to the, the tree lawn, it is, you know, various shades of brown and bronze from all the oil that's caked inside of it. Right. And I just set it down. And so my wife looked outside cause she was like, Oh, it's bulk day. So she took it out something too. And she's like, Oh, your hair fryer's gone. And I'm like, what? She's like, somebody came and took it. And I'm like, who in their right mind would take this thing? So I feel like either somebody thought that they could sell it for scrap or, they're going to use it. Or I've now started a horror franchise where I've left an air fryer for dead and it's now finding its next victim. Yeah. That guy is going to get a phone call um, and let him know that he's got seven days <laughs> to fry uh, a bunch of chicken. He's like, I'm, then- I'm going to make wings and it starts bleeding and be like, Hey, did you have those wings? It's like, Oh, you, you have partaken of the forbidden flesh. You must now take the air fryer. You know, like it's like, it's not going to kill them, but it's going to kill their countertop and any paper towels they buy, you know, like it's just, yeah, I, I get it. Like, you know, people throw out useless stuff all the time and it's not that this thing still couldn't turn on and work cause we were using it, but it's just like, did you ever, I don't know. You ever have something where you're like, you know what, this one's perfectly fine, but I kind of, I kind of want to start over again. Cause I think I know a little bit more about it. You know, like I think this is one of the situations where I'm like, I'm going to treat the next one better. Sorry, buddy. You're out the door. <laughs> like I want, I want grownups come to my house and be like, Oh, look at it. your kitchen's clean. Not like, what is that in the corner? And why is it bleeding? You know? Like, <laughs> oh, Jesus wept. Yeah, um, oil, pure oil coming out all the time. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's, I, that's yeah. one of the things that I, I, I used to love about living in Illyria. Um, is that uh, we didn't have to wait for somebody to pick something up. Like it literally, like as soon as we put it outside, like it wasn't like, Oh, we got to wait for bulk day, like couches, crap, like just anything, like anything that didn't fit in the, the, uh, the garbage can, like somebody would always just take it before, you know, they even came, uh, to pick it up. So, uh, that's just a little bit about the area that I lived in, I guess. But, I can also say that uh, in my twenties, I can, I can think of at least one or two uh, pieces of furniture that I picked up off the street. Well, I mean, furniture, I guess, is one of those things you kind of eyeball and be like, well, if I Febreze this and scrub it down, maybe. Um, but I think like kitchen equipment, I don't know. That feels weird to me. But it also makes me think about like how many um, like unclaimed uh, George Foreman uh, grills are out there right now, just like waiting waiting for their moment to strike back. <laughs> I still have my George Foreman grill. They're, they're perfectly fine. It's just that it's one of those things. It's like, I think people are like, these are kind of neat. And it's like, Oh, I got to clean it all the time. Like anything we use, <laughs> you know, like, um, I think the George Foreman's perfectly okay. It's just, I think the air fryer is like the evolution of some of that. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I, I'm hoping to get to it soon. It's I, the RoboCop too. Yeah, it's of, no, it's uh, yeah, it's the <laughs> it's the Ed two not Ed two hundred nine. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I will. To be fair though, my uh, my air fryer does have a problem going up and downstairs. Uh, and it does make loud, uh, angry. What was it? Um, like uh, a lion and uh, bull noises or whatever. Anyway, uh, 
so yeah, for, that was the first thing I just like, I'm like, Holy shit, that's gone already. Like, okay, great. Enjoy. Um, second thing I just want to mention, it's funny that you mentioned kind of like the ring. I ended up watching smile, uh, like two days ago. Um, and it's on Paramount plus, uh, not bad. Like I ended up giving it three and a half stars on a uh, letterbox. Not that my ratings mean anything, but, uh, considering it's like a first time feature length filmmaker, the movie has a lot going for it. Uh, it's just that I, my review and this is the, the Steve, this will tell you all you need to know about it. I, I call it. It smiles is what I called the movie. Cause it is like, it's not, I don't think this person went out of their way to crib from it follows, but it, it, um, has a lot of those vibes for good and for bad. But I think there's a lot there. Um, I don't appreciate how there's so many cuts to a loud noise to make you jump. I think that's one tool in your tool bag as a horror filmmaker, not the only tool. Also, I don't know about you. Know, I, I, I keep giving a lot here. Are, are you getting tired of the really large, like big, like um, above overhead drone shot of people driving places? I'm getting kind of tired of it. It's like, I know we can do it now. It's not that impressive anymore. Yeah, I mean, we could probably do a show on like, uh, what's the word I'm looking I, I don't want to use the word cliches, but, um, you know, things that uh, that are currently being overdone. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, I, I would like to see a trailer open that isn't like, well, let's, let's throw a shot of the city in there. Like, what are you <laughs> establishing? They live in a city. Okay. like <laughs> Opening shot, Earth. Yeah. Like... <laughs> You know, you're a trailer. You don't have to really set up a, uh, uh, a, a an establishing shot, if you will. I don't even think, you know, like Alien, which takes place on different planets altogether, or a different planet altogether. You know, I don't think that we get an establishing shot in that trailer. So, like, I think you're good. And we'll just assume that we're on Earth unless you tell us otherwise. How about <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah, but it's like there's a lot of this too. In the in the movie, there is a stylistic reason to choose some of these. They do a lot of the um the inverted like skylines where it rotates and is upside down. It's like, okay, great. Like I like you know, there there's that some like the the uh imagery of like, you know, like, you know, what what's what's a smile but a frown turned upside down. Like I like I get it, film, thank you, right? But it's like whew, you know, like we don't have to like we don't have to go to it all the time. Like I just like, I, I understand that you saw the shining and really liked it. And I'm not talking about the rotating, like flippy shot, but I'm talking like the, like, you know, the disc, the, the, the shot of them going to the overlook. Right. Cause that was physically impressive at the time. I know it was a helicopter shot, but there's a lot of shit going on there. Um, so like that takes a lot more work. Right. So it's like one of those things where it, it does give your film a level of like production value in terms of looks, but can we, it just, it always feels very self-important and I don't like that, but that doesn't, I'm not trying to take away from a first time filmmaker. Like they made two shorts and they made this and it was, and according to the trivia, it was, um, Paramount plus was like, we're going to put this exclusively streaming, but then the test audiences did really well. Cause I think the budget was like 17 million. They're like, we're going to get this in the theaters and ended up making like, Oh, um, I don't know, 200 something million at the box office. So good return on investment. And I'm hoping that this filmmaker, whatever he does next is interesting. Cause I'm like, I'm hoping for the next film. So I mean, it's worth it. It's worth the watch. It's just, um, there's bits and pieces that you're like, you know, I've seen this done in better uh, in other movies, but if this is somebody's first ex like exposure to something like this, it's going to, it's going to just scare the shit out of them. So a decent movie. Yeah. I, I feel like particularly in the last year, 
uh, I've really felt my age as a horror fan. Like, I feel like there are a lot of things that got like, like came out last year that I was like unaware of until like after, uh, you know, all the hubbub and, you know, uh, like for instance, you know, uh, barbarian was one that I was late to the party. I'm not terribly late, but like, well, I'm still uh, late to that. I, I almost pulled the trigger on that two days ago, but I didn't. So yeah, I'm not watching. But that like, yeah. smile was a, was like, just out of the blue, somebody was like, "Oh, smile's amazing," and I was like, "What a smile!" I'm like, <laughs> this is a horror movie. What the hell? Like, why do I not know what this is? It's not like I, and that could be a whole discussion about how social media and the places where it's like, you know, they 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 want to show me things, but sometimes they just like they forget to show me things that I want to see. But like, you know, I'm like, I, I don't know how there's this much stuff coming out that I'm unaware of. And I'm just like, like, just getting too old to keep up with it. Are you getting like a bot, like a bunch of stuff in your feed for like the Buckeye card and like a lot of like nice, like early bird specials? (laughs) Well, you know, what's all right. So this is, this isn't so much Facebook as as much as it is Instagram now, which I used to really be in love with Instagram, and I admit I don't post there the way that I used to. But um, the thing is, is that like I feel like every third post might be them being like, "Oh, you might want to look at you know so and so," or because you watched this, we're showing you this, and I'm like, "Can I?" I there's plenty of people who I already follow that you don't show me their shit. Yeah, and no, I that, look that, them up, and then I'm like, "Oh, I, I mm-hmm. see that you've posted, you know, uh, three times in the last week. I haven't seen something from you in four months." Like, yeah, no, that was a purposeful decision a couple months ago that the like that Facebook uh, and Instagram they've shifted to this. So there's ways to filter out your news feeds, but that's not readily apparent. And also, that's a physical thing to click it—not not physical, but you have to click it and change to the feeds to like you can favorite things and shit. And it's like. No, like, so I agree with you that stuff does slide by and there's certain like things that people talk about that I'm not aware of because it was never given to me. But here's, here's what they have all the data on me. Like my taste in things that I'm interested in hasn't changed in, in 10, 15 years. Yeah. You know, it's not like there's suddenly been a huge change in my personality. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like you guys know what I like, you know, just it's okay if you want to show me the stuff that I like, but stop trying to get me to watch reels or, you know, um, challenges or whatever. Like, you know, I, Oh, did you hear about so-and-so on call me cat? No. Cause I don't watch call me cat. And you should know this by now. You know, everything <laughs> yeah. else that I do. Yeah. I, that That's like, fair. <laughs> you know what I watch? You know what I listen to? You probably know more about me than I do. I like that you're you're asking to be put into like your own echo chamber of the things that you want. <laughs> whatever, like whatever we talk about, how like in terms of like you know the last couple of years, people need to break out of their echo chamber to maybe see the world for what's going on. And you're like, no, 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 please bring me mine. You know, <laughs> I'm not talking politically. No, but you know what? But you understand what I'm saying, though. Like, I mean, I like. I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but it's just also like, can I just, can I just please be shown things I want to see, and I don't want to put up with things I don't want to see. You know, uh, Steve, so I understand I, I, you live in Ohio, but that's like, <laughs> so. Here, here's the other thing that I'll say on that real quick, because I I know that you, I saw that you posted that you watched uh, this place rules. Yes, and. One of the conversations that I had with Kathy was uh, after we got done watching it, I was like, do you ever worry that like 
maybe we do believe the things that we believe too much. I'm like, we're not doing any of this crazy shit out here, but I'm like, you know, I, it's easy for me to attack somebody who's got crazy beliefs. So in- let, let's, let's, let's take a step back. I wasn't going to mention that as a watch, but now that you brought it up, we did. So I, so I did watch uh, Andrew Callahan who uh, does something called channel five news. He originally did a series called all gas, no breaks, but then there was a whole thing where he signed a contract and they screwed him over. So he's like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, he is, he, I mean, he's a, you know, he is a comedian in, in some senses because his, his sense of editing is very mm-hmm. spot on and his, but it's like, there's something very like, so what this, what, what this place rules is, it's a documentary on uh, HBO max. We'll talk about them in a second. Um, that it's just his experiences leading up to the January 6th insurrection. But it was, it was also him just taking the temperature of the world politically. And he goes places and, and goes and talks to people that no one else does. And he's like the most unassuming guy. It just kind of lets people, it's like, he just lets them talk. And it's like, it's very, it's very disturbing and very refreshing at the same time. So I would tell people, um, check it out. Like once you get past the first five, 10 minutes, which is like some, some really funny shit between two guys that are just talking garbage to each other over social media. And they're both, they both have problems <laughs> when they get into a boxing match at the beginning. But once you get past that, um, and it, it may so, not shock any of you to know they're in Florida. Yeah. So. But also, by the way, did you know, did you notice how Callahan kind of brought it back and kind of tied yeah. it in a little bit? You're like, Oh yeah, there was a reason to all this. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, you get to the end of that and you're like, Oh yeah. Like in terms of like, it's very easy to fall into these pitfalls of like, I only want to hear things that reaffirm my position and that mm-hmm. what that movie shows is people. Um, like I just tell this that he does, he kind of does this amazing thing of like, he shows three children, one, his, uh, his nephew, another it's, uh, it's, um, was it two, one, a family was it South Carolina and then, and then a uh, black neighborhood two miles away from that family in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, just the way that they all kind of exist and he just lets them talk. If that doesn't just like kind of rip the, the rip the, the scales off your eyes and make you question things for a minute, I don't know what's going on. So I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And before we watched it, uh, Kathy was like, uh, I don't know if this is going to make you mad or not. And I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? Cause I hadn't watched a trailer or anything. She's like, She's like, well, I know that like as much as you like Jordan Klepper, you sometimes just get aggravated to the people that he's talked to. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's she's like, well, this feels a little bit like that. And I'll say that, you know, he doesn't actually ask like Klepper one is the bravest man ever. Like, I don't know how he goes to the places that he does and does some of the things that he does and has the conversations that he has with people. But like, he's very much like throwing it back in their faces. They don't always realize it. Actually, they probably almost never realize it, but like, uh, Jordan Klepper man on the street pieces are great to watch. They're funny, but they're also like infuriating. So I was worried that it was going to be more infuriating. But the thing that I did take out of this was what you were just saying is, is like, am I some, so like, you know, a firm in like certain things. And do I only, you know, believe the things that I believe. So like, there's no way that X, Y, Z couldn't be at least allowable in my brain 
like, am I too, you know, dialed into the things that I want to hear or the beliefs that I already hold? And that's, that's a tough question to ask. So, um, but the fact, okay. So, so take some comfort in the fact that you and your wife, like you're having that conversation versus it'd be like, no, that's not us, Blah, whatever. We're good. You know, cause like if you, if you're comfortable in your ecosystem, then you're not like, I'm not saying do your own research. Cause duh, that's not what I mean by that. But I'm like, you know, like you gotta, if you're not at least asking yourself the question of like, am I too comfortable where I'm at? Um, then, then you're, you're not paying attention enough. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like, I, I sound like I'm being like one of these people like you need to go out and see the bigger picture and blah, 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 blah. But you kind of do, but you got to take everything with a grain of sand and, and kind of a grain of salt and balance it out. Right. But at the same time, it's like, you could see, like, you see what happens when there is, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like unbridled devotion and fanaticism Mm -hmm. and it's terrifying. Um, and I never want to be like that except for my, my belief that the boondock saints is one of the worst movies ever made. So whatever. Anyway, other than that, I will, I, I will go to a protest March as well with that too. If people want to go out in the streets and argue about boondock saints, I will join you in that protest. But you know, the rest of that though, it, it just, it like, but Callahan though, he's very disarming. And it's like, there's like the whole thing is like, there was a video he did earlier and I'm, I'm cutting off again. I apologize where someone like, this is like when he was early on doing all gas, no breaks. Everyone's like, well, why are you wearing a suit? He's like, well, he's like, I'm a reporter. And they're like, they're supposed to wear suits. Like it's this thought process. Like people, it's like people will take me a little more seriously if I'm walking around. Then at one point after ag, all gas, no breaks, he stepped away from that. Cause like they, they like, they screwed him over money wise. He's like, he started running around telling people he was with the news and they're like the media. They're like, well, who are you with? He's like channel five. They're like, okay. So like nobody, <laughs> like <laughs> nobody, nobody questioned that, like that. His, his, his channel five news, but it's not a channel five news, you know, like <laughs> it's though he just yeah. kind of just exists. And I'm telling you, man, a lot of his other videos, there is some uncomfortable stuff, but he's just kind of, it's just like, I, I hate to say this, this is not the right comparison. So if, like people can correct me on this. It has like a Michael Moore kind of vibe, but Michael Moore definitely let his agenda come in more with a lot of the stuff. Yeah. But it was more like, I'm just going to meet people where they're at. And they're going to tell me things and I'm just going to let them talk and you guys can make up your own mind, you know? And it's like, so anyway, you were saying about ecosystems and, and questioning yourself. So I went off on a bit of a tangent there. I apologize. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, the other thing that I was going to say about if I didn't finish my thought about Klepper was just that, you know, this his his interviews always have a, a point to them as much as in, in this gentleman whose name you said Callahan, I believe. Andrew Callahan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's very much literally like, I'm going to just hold the mic. You talk like he's not asking prodding questions unless he absolutely has to, like he might ask them to elaborate on something, but there, there really is a very open dialogue and, and there's not a sense of condensation, condensation, Con, uh, Condemn- uh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Now he's, I can't, he's not condemning uh, them. Uh, yes, condemnation. Thank you. There you go. Con- Woo! Condemnation. Thank yeah. you. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no sarcasm to it. There's no, none of that. And, uh, it's, it's an interesting watch, but it is something that I'm like, wow, God, you know, maybe, you know, I, I'm not saying, you know, I need to, I need to consider info wars or anything like that, but I'm saying that like, <laughs> 
maybe I should sometimes question why I believe certain things and like, is that really what I believe or is it just something that I, you know, or also look into the sources in which you get your information. Like how credible are they? Are they doing the due diligence? Right. Are they vetting themselves? Are they, are they holding themselves accountable if they make a mistake? You know, like that's the big thing, right? Cause, cause I mean, you know, we all live our lives and we're all busy and it's like, we consume so much that, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like an FDA type of thing where even though it's like, like you go and buy something in the store, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, it's like, Oh, like now without glass, why was there glass in this before? Why would you sell that? You know, it's like you, you know, it's just, you, you're supposed to trust the things that you get, you know, from like the, the places that you shop, like for your news, you're supposed to trust that like, they're not like just, you know, feeding you glass or like rat turds or whatever. Right. But, um, you know, so yeah, vet your sources, but also like, you know, like it, it when I think with this, like my, my brother posted, when I posted, I'd watch this. He's like, hey, yeah, he's like, it made me consider a lot. I'm like, I love my brother and, and Brian, if you're listening, I love you, but it's like, you know, he also likes Joe Rogan a lot. So it's like, and I'm not saying Joe Rogan's like, you know, the antichrist, but there's a lot of him just being like, well, but what about this? I'm like, Joe, are you vetting your sources friend? Mr. You know, Mr. Um, guy that was on just shoot me. And, uh, what was it? Um, news radio, Joe Rogan, fear factory. You made people eat penises. Can you please, can you vet your sources? <laughs> well, I don't want to go on this subject too long. So we still got to get to news. Sorry, but, and, uh, and penis eating. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I'll just say Facebook. If you, uh, want to show me things, try showing me things that, you know, I already like. Sorry, if we, I, I yeah, we went, we went really that. far afield there. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, I'm just bringing this back around. Uh, you know, so in, in that sense, yes, I, I guess I kind of want to be uh, I want to uh, live in a bubble. Uh, but, you know, a pop culture bubble is one thing like yeah. a human existence bubble. So it's entirely different. Right. Yeah, I get right. it. You know, so fair enough. All right. So. <laughs> Oh, look at that. Look, I, Steve, I said we're going to talk about new, sorry, talking about our weekends for 40 to 47 minutes. We're in that target. If this was the price is right, we would have won a car. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to some news. everyone uh, this, this isn't really good news hooray hooray denied so um hbo max is going to be raising their price in uh february and here's the headline from uh the av club from the onion it says now offering less content hbo max wants more of your money yep <laughs> i know we just talked about this place rules you know that was hbo max but yeah they're gonna switch their uh their uh, was it from one dollar from 14.99 to 15 dollars 15.99 a month i am mad about that charging me one more dollar for a lot of content that you removed. That does seem kind of bullshit though. Doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. You know, uh, you can only stay at the same price for so long, that kind of thing. This is, I believe their first price hike. Like I don't believe since they've been a thing, changed their rates at all. Um, yeah. I, <sighs> I do really hope that once, you know, and this is taking, you know, not just the DC stuff into account, but like as a whole, I hope that once they like now that they're supposedly done writing shit off and they're, you know, done having, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing, you know, I I hope that by giving us, you know, less that maybe they're going to give us a little bit more now in the sense of. 
you know, not more bang for your buck, but but maybe maybe at least there'll be some consistency with it, it as a brand. Um, and, and, yeah. and, uh, the decisions that are being made, uh, because, you know, it's infuriating when people are like, Hey, just one day, uh, all the episodes of XYZ went missing, you know, well, that, or they, they pulled a bunch of old, like Warner Brothers cartoons. It's like, yeah. why? Like, and they're like, well, cause we didn't want to pay for licensing. I'm like, you own them. Like, I don't right. understand that. You know, like there's a lot of Flintstones being taken. A lot of Sesame street's gone. It's like, there's. Yeah. Um, I like, but I also understand that there's a certain amount of like, we knew this bubble was going to burst in, t- in terms of these uh, streaming services, trying to like outspin each other to get the content thinking that that's, what's going to drive their numbers. Um, like Netflix right now, like I can't trust anything. Their release is going to actually have like a, a, in terms of series is going to have a second season, right? Like people yeah. were worried about Wednesday. And then by the way, I also like whatever it's like Netflix announced the second season of Wednesday. So my, some people in my timeline were like, finally, I'm like, that show came out like a month ago. Like what? How long? <laughs> well, when you finish the, you know, the entire season in a weekend fall, but you know, I just, I'm just like, like, I'm like, you know, finally, forever. I'm just like, that just sounds like, I don't know. I just, that, 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 I don't know if that's the word to a pat. If you would have been like, Oh, that's good news. As opposed to we waited 30 days like you know like <laughs> you know like anyway but yeah it's I, like whatever price increases like like i'm honestly surprised that like apple tv hasn't started like screwing around and doing things because i don't know how consistent like they, they've been putting out content right and i know that their price point is what like is it like what six bucks a month or something like that it's not much um, but they're dumping a lot of money into their content. I just, but since they specifically, the, the bulk of their stuff is their own. Um, I was, I always thought they would be the first ones to kind of like blink in terms of the streaming war. I, I'm not sure what you mean by blink in the sense that like you mean like raise their prices or, yeah, like, or start like canceling things. Yeah. Like I mean, blink as in like, like, you know, uh, upping their prices or starting to like, you know, change the way they, they do their stuff. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like canceling things, like I've, I've not heard too often where they've canceled the series. Like, like I know that series C is was it's got a third and final season. So at least they got three. It wasn't like, it was like one and done, you know, I don't know. Like, I know that morning show show, um, didn't get the best reviews the first season, but they approved it for a second one. So I don't know if they're just kind of playing the long game of like, if we build up a content library, at least then that can justify the price, you know, or before they start making like decisions about who gets a, like renewed for what I thought they might be the first ones. Cause Apple seems to always kind of want to be the head of the curve and be like, well, well, we've just, we've figured it out and we're smarter than you. That's all. Well, the, the thing that I'll say about um, Apple uh, as a company, I guess, is, is that uh, they how – do, how do I put this? Uh, I, I'm not saying that they'll throw money away uh, to I, – I, I don't know how to – not innovate because – okay. So I come from a background where, uh, you know – and this is over five years ago now, so probably not so much uh, of a background anymore, but uh, I worked in the cell phone industry for a while. Um, and anybody who, uh, you know, was an Android person, the same reason they tell me they didn't want an iPhone was is that like they don't innovate fast enough for me. Um, so I feel like with, with Apple, they have a thing where they're like, they'll let things just lay for a while. Um, 
And I, I think that they also are aware of the shows that they're producing are ones where it's like, okay, the morning show you mentioned, uh, that show yeah. is Steve Carell, uh, Jennifer uh, Aniston. I can't think of her name now. Yeah. Well, yes, Jennifer Aniston, but um, Renee Witherspoon. Re- Renee? Is that a person? Reese. Is it Reese? Reese. Yeah. Sorry, Reese Witherspoon. Sorry. <laughs> Renee, that's, Renee's that's her twin sister we don't talk about. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, those are three big names that you've all got to make a series around and find schedule in the, those three people's schedule. You know, and you're not – this isn't a Marvel contract. It's a show for Apple TV. Like, you're going to make that show when you can basically is how that's going to break down. And they have a lot of those shows, you know, they, they got an unexpected hit with, uh, Ted Lasso. Um, and they've had other shows that like, for instance, my wife, we stopped watching servant, which is an M night channel on show after the first season. And then my wife just picked it up and I think it's either going into its fourth season or maybe even it's fifth. Yeah. It's fourth, um, it's fourth just came out. If I recall. Okay. Yeah. So she was like, catching up on that and burning through it. So like they'll let things simmer too. And, um, they, they, they shouldn't be the one working right now. Like I, I, I think I said, you know, before that, uh, Peacock's probably the service I use the most just because I watch a ton of old law and orders, uh, law and orders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I said odors, um, law, law, law and odors. Yeah. But, uh, I I think that as a service, you know, overall, I think uh, at least for for my money, Apple TV is one of the better ones. And HBO Max had all the content already. Like, that's the thing. Apple TV is like, we got to go and make a lot of this shit. Mm -hmm. And HBO Max, most of it was already preset and, you know, there for them. You know, Uh, I, I, I... I don't know. I, it's 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 kind of surprising to me that it's such a mess. Uh, not just you know, and like I said, I hope it's now that things are supposedly settled that they stay that way. But you know, yeah, outside of of John Oliver, you know, I don't know that we would keep our HBO Max subscri- subscription. And he's on a break right now. He doesn't even come back till February. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've been, I've been uh, still uh, trucking through um, Venture Brothers, which I think I talked about a couple months ago. I picked that back up again. So there's other things on there too. There's that Velma series I've been that actually came out today that I want to check out as well. But you're right. I agree. I, it's it is a mess, and I'm hoping that you know, you're like when I when I saw the headline they're charging more. I actually didn't even know what the price increase was until I actually read the, read it out loud for us tonight. So. One dollar is not that bad. Just I was worried I was going to go up like five, ten dollars at that point, which I know, you know, you got to I'm subbed into so many streaming services right now that it if I went and actually looked at it and parsed it all out, I'd be like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, so uh, but there's going to be a bit where it's like, I don't know about you, but it's more like, yeah, I have this. But now I'm just annoyed at the price. Like I'm I am on the bubble about Netflix. I'm starting to get really annoyed at that price for what it doesn't do anymore. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I I don't pay those bills, so I don't look at it. Um, what Steve's I, yeah. saying is he has my password. I'm kidding. That's not true for that. Well, one. no, for, not, not for that no, one. I, not for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, you know, my wife. I, I yeah, I, I I'm trying to think of one one of the services that might be in my name, but I think it's only <laughs> Shutter. 
Yeah, that, that's a Steve thing, though. Like Shutter, Shutter's okay. It's like what? The, what's that? Six bucks a month, something like that. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head because, like, I set it up and I signed up for a year. Oh, so like it just I always forget, and then like I get a receipt that's like, you know, your 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 uh, Shutter uh, subscriptions just renewed for another year, and I'm like, oh yeah, right. Uh, so uh, the annual price is fifty six ninety nine. So there you go. Yeah, so it's it's not bad, and I honestly uh, I can't complain about Shutter anyway, but I also don't take enough of, it, of an advantage of. There's so much crap on there that I should be watching, and I don't know why I don't go there first. When I'm looking. For my only watch. frustrating thing with Shutter is that there's like it's not them. It's, there's not an app on my PlayStation Five because I like yeah. to actually watch that with my headphones on. You know, that's because I'm an old man and I want my I want to be able to hear all the words. You know, <laughs> so um, also I like having like sound surround sound like, you know, in my headphones. But yeah, that's the only thing. But otherwise, Shutter is a great service. But yeah, um, HBO Max took away content asking for a dollar. So um, I'm sure this is not going to be the last conversation we have about the streaming wars. Right. So um, but I, I don't know. I got nothing else about that other than I guess they're getting my dollar. As long as you keep bringing me dragons and sex. That's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. All right. So uh, I have two two secret stories here. This one just because this came out today. Um, it's it's John Carpenter uh, talking about memoirs of a visible man, which I know we just covered that. Uh, here it is. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Hollywood legend John Carpenter has shared uh, that he almost left the movie business following his experience making memoirs of a visible man. We talked about that. I know we did. Um, and so here's this quote though. I, I just want to I just want to give us some uh, pure, straight, unadulterated like. John Carpenter quote to go right in our veins. Uh, he's like Chevy Chase, Sam Neill, who I love and had a long time friendship with and Warner brothers. I worked with them and it was all pleasant. No, it wasn't pleasant at all. I'm lying to you. It was a horror show. I really wanted to quit the movie business. I really wanted to quit the business after that movie. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, this is the best part. Like God, I don't want to talk about why, but let's just say that there are personalities in that film. He, he shall not be named who needs to be killed. No, 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 that's terrible. He needs to be set on fire. No, no. Anyway, it's all fine. I survived it. <laughs> oh, I love don't give a shit carpenter. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's certainly not short on opinions. Let's just say that. Like I, 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 uh, I think he's, uh, in a place now where he can pretty much say whatever he wants and he doesn't have to worry. Like he's not, He's not wor- worrying about where his next check's going to come from. No. And he hasn't made a movie in 10 years. I don't know when the word was. I feel like it was in the it's last more, 10 years. Been, I think it was longer than that. But, uh, okay. uh, but yeah, um, I think it's funny because that, that, you know, since you and I got to see him at Steel City Con, the, the very next con, Chevy Chase was there. It makes me wonder what would happen if they're in the same room with each other. I, I just, I wonder, I just wonder if there's a fist fight. <laughs> oh, or, or Carpenter would just like flick like a, like a lit cigarette at him or whatever, you know, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I just thought, I just thought you'd appreciate his quotes about like, no, no, I, yeah, no, no. Like, <laughs> um, that's not really much of a story other than it was a recent, recent quote. So I thought you'd appreciate that. So I did like, all that. right. So last one here is, uh, <laughs> do I have, uh, do I have the full story here? Yeah, I do. Um, it is, let's see here. Um, I just found this randomly. It says, uh, it's, it's from, it's in, it's, uh, Canada. It's a Canadian story. Um, they released like those at the top 10, uh, 911 calls that were not like, um, what was it? Uh, missed the mark 
2022. So this was from, um, what was it? Uh, Saskatchewan RCMP Operation Communication Center. So these are the 10 phone calls that they got from their 911 service that and just the point of 911. So you'll appreciate this. One, number 10. It was called Memory Lane. A caller asked um, operators if they knew the name of a polite RMCP officer who had served in their community. The caller was hoping for an update to see how the officer's family was doing. While well-meaning, this certainly would not be considered an emergency. So they, yeah. <laughs> so they, like... <laughs> Like, that also sounds just kind of creepy. Like, how's yeah, his family doing? Yeah. It also sounds very Canadian. Like, oh, I just want to see how they're doing. You know, are they good? Like, you know, anyway. Uh, hold, please. 911 dispatchers received a call from a person who didn't want to be on hold after being told they needed to pick up paperwork at their local RCMP detachment. So they were pissed that they talked to the cops and, like, hold, please. And they're like, I don't want to pick up papers. I'm going to call 911. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next one here. Number eight, bad luck. A caller advised operators that they had swallowed a mosquito choked and lost their dentures, leaving them unable to eat supper. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of Looney Tunes shit is that? Like, I literally feel like that's being drawn in a, a, uh, uh, you know, Tex Avery. It feels uh, feels like a far side cartoon of some sort. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. All right. Um, uh, number seven, you rang an individual advised they needed assistance deleting a voicemail off their phone. That's, uh, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, this, this one's labeled, this is not a prank hotline. An individual called 911 to advise that there was a cougar on loose in their city. When the call taker asked for details about the cougar, the caller laughed and said the cougar's name was Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right i thought that was great all right um takeout troubles a caller advised they purchased 65 dollars worth of fast food only to find their roommate ate the order uh the caller requested that an rcmp officer come out and sort out the disagreement so basically they called the cops because his roommate ate his dinner yeah wow that's cold. Right. Like, how mad do you have to be? I mean, I don't know. Pretty, like, pretty like, mad. I, would I mean, guess. I mean, I'm talking like that's that's sixty five dollars worth of like that's like two hundred and ten dollars worth of American food. Um, you know, <laughs> or no, sorry, that's sixty five Canadian. Sorry, that's like that's like thirty five dollars worth of American. Anyway, that's like I'm like, what if it was like a really nice poutine or something? I don't know. Like, you'd be, I'd be pissed. All right, all right. Um, here, kitty, kitty. A concerned individual called about a hostile cat and asked an RMCP officer to bring it to their local animal shelter for them. <laughs> he was like, this, this cat's, this hot, this cat's hostile. Can we bring a cop out and take the cat to a shelter? Uh, yeah. I, I, I got nothing on that. One. Yeah. That Just, sounds, that, that tracks, right? Uh, can we talk about it is what it actually says here. A dispute at a clothing store resulted in a call to 911. A customer was very upset with the manager of the store who refused to accept the return of already worn winter boots. <laughs> I, they realize that the police are not customer service, right? Like, <laughs> Evidently not. Right? That's not the equivalent of asking for a manager. Yeah, like there's there is Canadian Karens out there, right? Karen with the C. I don't know what that means. All right, uh, number two, got milk. A caller advised they were out of milk and requested that an RMCP officer picks up some for them. <laughs> That's the yeah. Like I I know these are all real, so like I want to like 
you know, I, I feel like it's a, a uh, real or fake game that you put together. But <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the difference is, is that these are all funny. So that's yeah. the, that's the, versus me oh, trying. Oh, all right. You're, so you're pretty funny, Paul. I'm, I'm slightly funny. Let's be honest. All right. So last one here is called Scrub a Dub Dub. A concerned individual called 911 to advise their bathtub drain was clogged and the water wouldn't go down. Oh, God. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I, I, I believe Canada is like, you know, overall is probably a better place to be other than like, you know, the cold uh, for a lot of reasons, but people there are just as stupid, you know? So, um, yeah, <laughs> give somebody a number to call to ask for help or complain about something. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to use it the wrong ways, but I thought you'd yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> I don't even I don't um, even have a response for that. No, I, 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 I will. I will admit that because like, you know, you talk about like, you know, um, media, like, uh, bubbles and stuff. Like every so often, like with the Google news, like I do local news and I'll click through like Cleveland local stuff. And every so often I'll find a police blotter from like a local, like suburb, like part of Cleveland. And because I've done that a couple of times, I get them like every so often And the police blotter stuff for Cleveland sometimes is really funny, especially for like Brook park. Uh, some of the shit that goes on there. Uh, but I won't I mean that's just, I'm just saying like sometimes the police blotter stuff, which is released like a month after the fact, there's some really stupid shit that goes on in Cleveland. Uh, I'm sure I'll find one where it's like, uh, somebody found dead because of like, like greasy, uh, air fryer fell on face or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they'll be like, you we dusted it for fingerprints. It yeah. We dusted it for fingerprints. We found a suspect. <laughs> it's like the next month you'll find out that I'm running for my life because I may have inadvertently merged somebody with an air fryer. So, uh, I don't know. Anyway, so there we go. That's our news. Uh, HBO max is costing more and giving you less. John Carpenter, uh, is not hiding his feelings about Chevy chase, but he, he's a delight, uh, Carpenter, not chase. And also, uh, Canada, Canada be candidating. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad that I found that 911 thing today. I was like, this is the, one of the dumbest things I've read in a while. And it made me really happy. Yeah. I mean, I, I always wonder about those people cause you hear about like, Oh, somebody called, you know, the police to McDonald's because you know, they were short of the McNugget or something yeah. stupid like that, you know, but I guess it's all over. You know, it's I, not just here in the States. If only there was been a call where somebody called the RMCP because the McDonald's local McDonald's did not have any McPizza. That would have been about right. That would have been perfect. They were out of McPizza or Szechuan sauce. <laughs> no, I think the McPizza is still in Canada. I think they still serve it up there. So I'm just saying, like, I, I've I've heard that tale too. But you know, they say the same thing about Bigfoot. Oh, there, I'm gonna look. So. I'm gonna look it up right now. I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna do some current. We're gonna do some real time fact checking. So, Canadian McPizza. Let's see here. Um, oh wait, no. Um, Twitter devastators, McDonald's Canada confirms the big pizza is no, not returning. And this was August 29th, 2021. No, all right. <laughs> just, all right. <sighs> you sons of bitches. All right. Anyway. So, all right. <laughs> well, that's a downer ending to the news. I don't, whatever. Anyway, we ready to talk about from, uh, some, uh, Friday 13th, uh, part six. Um, Jason, Jason lives question mark. He lives. Yes. And now for our feature presentation. First, before we get into the Jason thing, I just want to mention, like, I, Justin Trudeau, you failed as prime minister. 
since the Canadian pizza is no longer available. Sorry, the Canadian McPizza. You don't have my vote. I don't live there, but you don't have my vote anymore, sir. All right. Um, we're going to be talking about Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. In terms of Friday the 13th films we've covered on the show, uh, so far we've covered the first one, uh, the fourth one, the fifth one, and the tenth one. Right? I think that's where we're at. Yeah. Oh, and Freddy versus Jason. Sorry. Freddy versus yeah. Jason. And I was thinkingly discussed the uh, the remake, but I now realizing that uh, it was you and El Goro, uh, and I listened to it. So, and, and did you like, did you keep disagreeing and then sending in like voice comments with everything? Like, yes, yeah. If, if you, you want to cut together, episode. yeah, a, a segment of where you're just like like cutting in, be like, well, Paul's wrong here because of X Y Z. You know. Anyway, so we've covered we've covered a lot of the franchise, and I think it's interesting that like. Uh, it's weird with this one, a lot of horror franchises that we've discussed that like, I mean, I guess it'd be easy to go chronologically, but it's like each one of like each one of these movies have their own reason for their own discussion, regardless if you talk about them in order or not. Um, so you would think that if you would ask me way back, you know, in episode one, which by the way, uh, happy, happy 350th anniversary, 350th anniversary, 350th episode, Steve, I know you've been around for a lot of them. So 350. Woo! Right, that's our celebration for this. Three fifty episodes. Nice, right? And yeah, I, yeah, I was not paying attention to the numbers, so yeah, that's a nice little. Yeah. Uh, now let's hope the next, next three fifty are good. Right, it took us a while, right, to get up. I'm to not speed. promising anything. <laughs> if only. Well, after we're we're done here. We'll just have to get struck by lightning in a graveyard uh, with a stake through us, and then we can come back and be the better versions of ourselves. Now, I, I just, I, it w- if you would have asked me at the start, if like we were talking about Friday Thirteenth, um, like what movie you want to talk about, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that we've not talked about this one at all. Bef- like in terms of like an actual devoted episode to it, this would have been my first choice outside of Jason X. <laughs> so yeah i think this is my favorite of series i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hide that at all we'll get to more into that why like why into that later but um yeah just i think this is an interesting uh turning point well as much as five is as well but this is a turning point in a different way so let me let's let's just go through real quick here who did what uh directed by uh tom mclaughlin uh uh you know uh, Written um, by Tom McLaughlin with characters based upon uh, by Victor Miller. We have in our cast here, we have uh, Tom Matthews as Tommy, uh, Jennifer Cook as Megan, David Kagan as Sheriff Garris, Carrie Noonan as Paula, uh, Renee Jones as Sissy. I just, not a fan of that name. I don't know. I just, uh, my mom's nickname growing up was Sissy. And then I had a, a female cousin named Sissy. And it's just like, I just, how can people be called Sissy? It just feels weird to me. I don't like that name. Um, we have, uh, was it CJ Graham playing Jason for most of the movie? Uh, he's not, and he's not playing Jason in one scene. Uh, but we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and then I'm just trying to think if there's any other big per, Oh, we have, um, Horshack in here for a second. Uh, what's his name? Um, Ron Pertillo or something. Along yeah. Those lines. Um, let's see here. Uh, it is, um, yeah, um, it's Horshack. We got Horshack in there as well. And then we have, um, let's see here. We also have, we I talked about him earlier before we start recording the gentleman that was playing um, the, the caretaker. Uh, he's a very recognizable uh, character actor. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if there's anybody else you want to mention specifically, because since I started running out of names of people, three, three or four names in. No, I, I think uh, you hit everybody that uh, 
is memorable or notable, I guess, in the, in the film. Yeah. So, all right. So then, uh, in terms of the story of people have not seen a Friday 13th film, I don't like welcome. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, after the events of uh, Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter in which uh, Tommy Jarvis had killed Jason uh, and uh, Jason was dead, but then Tommy Jarvis was messed up and ended up at a, um, a treatment home and somebody showing up as Jason started tormenting those around him. It turned out to be an imposter. Uh, but Tommy Jarvis, you know, like that's a lot of PTSD. So we pick up with this one. Uh, he, um, is going to go make sure that Jason is dead and, and like dead for reals and go and destroy his body. But in the process, he inadvertently, um, stumbles into a universal monster, like monster picture and brings Jason who was previously like a hard guy to kill. Um, now back to life and he is now just not only hard to kill, but he is immortal. And, uh, Tommy Jarvis, uh, unleashes, an, unfortunately, a new version of Jason that his whole goal is to go to, uh, camp forest green and, uh, start wreaking havoc again. So Tommy's trying to do a good thing, but he causes a bad thing. It ends up killing a lot of people in the process just by accident, but we still cheer for Tommy though. And I think that's basically what this movie is, right? Unless I'm missing something. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that can be said about, uh, its approach to humor, uh, the, uh, the way that, uh, the movie homages, uh, both horror, uh, icons or directors, uh, with, you know, mm-hmm. Garris is named after Mick Garris, or, um, I believe one of the cops is named Carpenter, and there's Cunningham road also brought up as well as a location in this film. Like, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of, yeah. So like, there's a lot of, uh, minute things that we can get into, but, uh, I think overall you, you probably summed it up pretty well. I don't know that, uh, and, and this is something I noticed watching it was like, it's pretty tight. This movie yes. in the sense that like, it's not a, a, I, I don't want to say that it's a, uh, uh, lacking in plot, but like it, it, it wants to get from A to B to C. Like it, there's nothing sort of like throwing it off in the sense of like, uh, it's pace. And I think it's probably one of the better paced Friday the 13th movies that, uh, I can say, um, of the franchise. Like it, it, it really moves and it really tells the story effectively. Uh, it's not heavily laden plot, but it's, it's certainly, uh, a, I guess if you were looking at like, Oh, what would be a, a good slasher script? Like you, you would, it, it would be hard to argue for not looking at it Friday six, I guess so, okay. in terms of how it is broken out. So in terms of your appreciation for the franchise, which I know that you have a, uh, a bigger love of it than I do. And that's like, it's not, you know, that's not a, a one-to-one, a, a, but it's like, I know that you like overall, this is a very important franchise for you. Um, where does six lie for you in terms of like the overall series? Cause I think like, I know, I think you and I have different favorites, which I think is also really cool because like, there, like there's some horror franchises out there where you have the highs and the lows and there's a lot of, usually a lot of agreement between the highs and the lows. And I think this is one of those series where there can be more of discussion about people's favorites. Yeah, uh, I was trying to think of this, you know, earlier, like where I place it. And 
uh, it's really hard for me to say. I, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly top half. Um, but there, there are things that like, okay, so I know that you're not a fan of, of Freddy versus Jason. I really quite like that one. I don't know that I put this ahead of that, but I'm like, well, where, where does it fall in relationship to say like something, uh, along the lines of like a part eight, you know, Jason takes Manhattan's not great, but there are great moments in it. Um, I, I, I'm sure we'll I, I talk like about this it. better, <laughs> but I'm like, I have more fun with eight sometimes. So it's my, I, the point they're trying to make is, is I have a very hard time placing this. Cause I, I feel like it should be higher than some, but then I'm like, why am I placing that one above it? You know, like I, so uh, let me ask you this in terms of like the overall franchise, does your heart lie more with the first half of it than the second half of it? Uh, you know, I, Probably, but you know, the same time, you know, it took me a very long time to kind of fall in love with five, you know? So like, that's one that over time is, is sort of, uh, gotten more love for me. And, and it's one that I watch sometimes just cause I'm like, kind of want to watch it because it's one of how dumb it is, but also, um, it is just, you know, over the top uh, death and you know uh, 80s excess and uh, I, I don't know why I'm becoming more of a fan of five. I still don't place it ahead of six. Well, I will say that, but um, you know, but I I can argue with myself because yeah, while the latter half does have Jason X and goes to hell. Uh, and takes Manhattan, you know, I think those are probably people's top three, uh, least favorites, if that makes sense. Um, they're the, the bottom of the barrel for people. Um, uh, but there's stuff that I, I really like in all of those movies too. So I, I, I guess, yes, I'm, I, I'm one through six, I guess, if I'm breaking it in half. Okay, so with with that being said, um, so let, let's let's talk let's talk about this. So the first the four five movies are telling the story of uh, somebody that is is physically you know there and in reality, and it's like you know it's like oh it, it's very much. I mean, we know um, Friday Thirteenth in terms of like its ideas, a lot of that was gestating because it was chasing Halloween as hey let's make our own slasher movie, right? And like then that's not. Like it's, 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 it's the facts, right? Like, um, and then, but it became its own thing, but it was still also developing its own type of, um, not rules, but like tenants that, you know, from the series. And so then when you like for four, it was like supposedly a definitive ending. Cause Paramount's like, we don't want to fund this, this, you know, um, like this carnage anymore. And it made enough money. They're like, well, we do like making money. And they're like, yeah, let's make a fifth one. What if we make it the sleaziest pornographic one of all of them? They're like, sure. You know, anyway, uh, but like it was definitely in a direction and a tone and this kind of like, um, I don't know. Uh, you, you, I think you're going to say something. So please speak up. 
No, my apologies. I, I was cracking my knuckles. So I apologize. Yeah, you're getting ready to have a fight uh, about this. I understand. Uh, it's just, uh, no, it just, it has its own, like its own world that's existing. In. And so then when five wasn't that successful, I know that they, they, um, that Paramount's like, well, we, like, we made money, but let's bring actual Jason Voorhees back. They, that's when they told like, you know, like whenever they reached out to, uh, the director and the writer, like to, uh, Tom McLaughlin, it's like, here's the, like, we got to have Jason come back. And, um, this feels like to me somehow it like, it's not, it's not by design, but like you look in hindsight, you're like, Oh shit. Like they had like some, somebody figured this out because the, the bringing back of the Jason Voorhees that we liked this, like, you know, unstoppable killing machine. And it's like, Oh, but he's dead. Yeah. But what if he gets struck by lightning and comes back to life? And everyone's like, all right, good enough. <laughs> you know, like it just, it almost feels like they, 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 they cleared that hurdle better than um, some of the ways that like Halloween tried to reinvent itself, you know, like I'm, and I'm not talking about Halloween three. I understand why they exist. I love that movie, but they're like, you got to bring Michael Myers back, which I know four is one of your favorites of that series. But mm-hmm. then, but then I feel like they're like, but well, wait a second. How can we, how can we accelerate this and amp this up? And that's where the problem started happening. But Jason's like, we're going to make him undead. It's like, cool. What next? He's going to fight Carrie. Cool. What's next? He's going to end up in New York for five minutes. Cool. What's next? He goes to hell. Cool. What's next? Like there's, it feels like there was never like, I understand there's a lot of people that said no. And there's a lot of projects that ever happened, but somehow making Jason immortal in a lot of ways kind of opened the series up to like possibilities that everyone's like, yeah, that's really stupid. Let's have fun with that. Where some other horror franchises can't quite cross that hurdle and stay like consistently like, Good's not the right word, but like watchable and consistently good within itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I I think between uh, this and maybe Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, they're probably, uh, of the, the films that surround them, probably the ones that, you know, like your Texas Chainsaw Massacres and your, uh, your uh, Halloween's uh, any sort of big horror franchises, I guess, you know, I, I think those two are probably the most tight when it comes to having kind of continuity, but not worrying about continuity so much that it bogs down the movie. Um, they're consistent. I guess that's probably the word that I'm looking for is, is that uh, you know what you're kind of going to get with them, but also, they're not worried about, you know, yes, there was a remake, but they're not like, you know, what we need to do is, is we need to, you know, uh, bring back, uh, you know, Alice from Halloween or from Halloween, from the first Friday 13th and restart from there. And like, this is our new Friday 13th part two. Like they don't have to do those types of things. They could just make a movie about Jason and it pretty much will fit in. Um, I will say that that's one of the things that I, I had trouble with uh, with the remake was is that uh, it felt a little too modern and a little too slick. Um, but mm. if 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 you're looking at them visually, like they're consistent pretty much all the way through. However, and this is I think the thing that throws me off the most, and I. I feel like I'm all over the place tonight, so my apologies. If I am, I'm, I'm not helping, so I, you know, I apologize. No, no, no. I, well, I, yes. I'm, I'm, I feel very scattered this evening. Um, 
I'm like, did I make a point there? I don't know. I talked a long time. I must have. <laughs> um, Should that be the motto for the show? Like, <laughs> I'll just say that uh, when I, I was trying to think of like how I rank them, I do have trouble separating out like not so much the look, but or actor, but like the the Jason of that film. Like I have trouble separating them out from like the overall quality of the movie, I guess. So for instance, um, I, I put seven ahead of this, but that's mainly because of Kane Hodder and I love the look of seven. And that's one of the only issues that I have with this movie is is the look of Jason in this, the, uh, well, we're not going to do hand makeup, so we'll put gloves on him. And, uh, the fact that like his, his clothes look cleaner than mine do sometimes. Like, the opening shot of this movie, um, he's laying in the casket. He's decaying. He's got spider webs, crap all over him. He looks great. And right after he's resurrected, it's like his clothes are a little less dirty. And it feels like, like he's getting cleaner as the movie goes. That could just be my interpretation. But, like, I think this is one of my lesser favorite uh, looks and maybe portrayals of, of Jason. Um, so I have trouble separating that out. So that might be the thing that pushes it back. Um, and I don't know how you feel about the look of Jason in this movie, but like for me, you know, I, I love zombie Jason from seven. Like I love that look. It's so, you know, it's, it's, it's disgusting. He looks gross. Yeah, even uh, if we got that or like, the one from eight in this part, I think I think that would work better in that sense. I agree with you. It's just yeah. this was their first take on it, so we didn't. I guess we didn't know that. Like, I mean, yeah, it looks like all oh, lightning struck him and then burned all the way all the dirt off of him. That's fine. <laughs> you know, like everybody. I don't know if you know this, but the best way to get clean is just get struck by lightning. Um, make sure. <laughs> Here's what I'll yeah. say. My gripe about uh, Jason's look is your there's too many people on the rooftop playing hockey. <laughs> no. <laughs> How dare you bring up a quibble against a quibble that, oh no, anyway, no, that's fair. No, um, no, I, like I, th- th- it should have been goopier, right? Cause the guy was, he was, he was nothing. He was just a bag of like, you know, bugs. And, and but even then there were still even bits later. Like, I like that. Was it the beginning when he first was resurrected? Whenever you see like the, the worms and stuff dropping off of him, that's oh, yeah, a cool that's shot. Great. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like, it's just almost like he was like, you know what? I'm going to go to camp uh, for screen, but I, you know, I think I'm ready to go to the dry cleaner. We don't see the part where Jason goes to the dry cleaner for a second, but you know, he also doesn't show up the camp for a bit. So there might be some dry cleaning going on, you know, but, um, I agree with you. If that, 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 that is, that's a valid criticism. I completely agree. Um, but I would talking about the look of the film though. I think this is my favorite looking film in terms of the cinematography, because you go from like, these are all low budget films, right? And I know that this part five was, was directed by a gentleman who did, a bunch of sleazy adult films and it, it's supposed to look sleazy. And it's like, you know, you get what you get. This feels like, Hey, who's producing this paramount. All right. We're going to make this look like a, you know, a film that belongs in the theaters. And there is a sharpness to this. There is a quality to the look of it. There is a craftsmanship involved in some of like the shots that I don't think we saw this level of technique and a, a Friday 13th film up to this point that I really appreciate. 
No, uh, I don't think that you're wrong at all in that. Um, I do think that it's probably one of the best looking. Uh, absolutely. Um, there are some really amazing shots, uh, particularly in that opening um, when he's he's kind of well. No, you just mentioned the yeah. I don't need to go over. We just talked about the, the maggots falling off and the rain and everything. Like there's some great stuff there. So I don't want to go into that again, but, um, well, there's even uh, the, a bit too, the, like there's a bit, I'm, I'm cutting off where uh, Tom Matthews is at the payphone that is broken up. I'm sorry. I'm fighting you here. You're, you're growling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, he, he's at the payphone and he's talking to, um, Megan, right? And uh, sorry. Yeah. Jennifer cook is Megan Garris. And if you notice the way that the, the camera's working around him is like clockwise. And then when, the, whenever the, the, they, they cut back to her, the camera's moving counterclockwise. It's like, there's this whole thing where it feels like they're trying to get on the same page and they have different viewpoints and the director's showing you that. And I thought it's like, this movie doesn't deserve that level of storytelling. You know, you know what I mean? I'm just like, Oh, that's slick. And I dug it. Yeah, I will say, though, uh, don't ever apparently just run into the uh, local police station, uh, because if the sheriff is just sitting at his desk doing nothing, he might pull his gun out. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, I was like, what is up with this? He just ran in here asking for help. And you're like, I got to draw my gun. (laughs) Stand my ground. (laughs) Thank goodness Tommy Jarvis wasn't a person of color. I know. He'd just be done. And then also like, was it the deputy that has the world's largest laser sight? (laughs) His gun, which I understand that that's also a joke. Um, And like, like, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit too. Like I, the, the, the humor that was brought into this, like the meta humor, which is something that we talk about now. I think that's another reason why I really enjoyed this film because it's, it's a fun Friday 13th installment. It's not taking itself too seriously. However, there is like, there is a serious vibe through like, well, there's a killer running around killing people. Right. And it's like a Tommy's trying to make people believe him, but there is this like self-awareness that it isn't, it doesn't, it could have easily went into parody, but it didn't. And, but there's so much in here that it's like, you can tell that it's like the director's like, I'm on your side guys. I want to have a good time, but I also know the movie I'm making that I think makes this thing. It just makes it soar for me above a lot of these entries. Not that I can't, I, I want like, like give me a super serious Friday 13th film. I'm down for that. Please don't get me wrong. But something about this threads that needle and this, it, this to me, I could put this on any time of day and just have a good time with it because the, a lot of the humor in this still really, really works. Yeah. And people often, you know, talk about, okay. So you, you'd mentioned, you know, the humor in this and it being meta and, you know, people often say, you know, like, Oh, you know, why can't they make a, a make it scary? You know? And, um, I think with these types of movies, like you're, you're only going to be afraid of Jason the very first time you watch any of the movies in the series, depending upon what age you are. Like, I don't think that intrinsically these movies overall, like there are things that scare me. Um, but it's also part of me that's sort of living in a world where I was like, Oh, I was 12 when I saw that, Yeah, you know? So that's why it's scary to me. Um, you know, I don't think we need, 
I, I don't think the take needs to be super serious on Jason. Like one of the things that I do like about, uh, uh, like for instance, part eight, you know, is there's some great humor in there. Um, you know, I don't know that it's, yeah, it's a ripoff that you only get Jason in. I, I think it's Toronto that they actually, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, you only get that for 15 minutes and you know, a lot of, a lot of weird 911 calls about a goalie going around their neighborhood. And they're like, just calm down. We're not going to send the police for that. It's fine. <laughs> but there's stuff in there that I have fun with. And like, you know, it's a perfectly valid take. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that you could do Friday the 13th and make it scary now. And I know that there's going to be that prequel series from Brian Fuller. And uh, I think it's Brian Fuller. I um, think so, yeah. You know, I'm sure he's going to sure as hell try to scare me, which is great. But, like, you're in the sixth part of a franchise. Like, what do you do, you know, to bring some life to it? You imbue it with some humor and you you get wacky with it, you know. Um, I think the only thing that this movie is missing in terms of uh, of, I don't know if it would have helped the execution. Um, it, it, in my mind, it might have. I, I could be wrong on this, but like, I wish that the kills would have been just to the like balls out, just crazy. Like, you know, the 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 uh, uh, what's what's the word? I'm looking, the, the grand ignol, the 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 art of like. Uh, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the phrase, but, uh, where it's so over the top where it's just like, it's, it's, it's funny because you're like, I can't believe they just showed Jason, you know, like yeah, splitting somebody in two with, you know, a garden hose or something. <laughs> dumb, you're talking you know? about like, like some of the like stuff we saw a couple years ago and like psycho Gorman, where it's like, this is just, it makes no sense. Like what's going on here, right? Like some of that where it's like, oh, you just, uh, yeah. Like I, that that would be fun, and I agree with you on that. Um, like, yeah. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, I, I am scared. I, I I was thinking like in terms of like how Texas Chainsaw Massacre like is fairly bloodless. Like I I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, there is some blood. Um, obviously the hitchhiker cuts himself, and um, I think we see some blood later in the the film, uh, when she gets put on the meat hook, I could be wrong, but, um, if you compare that to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, that movie is so much fun and hilarious because the violence in it is so over the top ridiculous. Like literally, you know, they, they, they cut the top of like two guys heads off, uh, who are driving in a car. Like it's over the top. I kind of wish we would have gotten those types of kills, which is, I guess I'm saying I want like the over the top, stupid, ridiculous kills to push this movie even further. Like, I think that's one of the elements that's missing. And and to speak to that though, um, because the studio originally pushed back on five, um, um, like, was it, um, uh, the director and writer was like, he, he, like he came up with his idea and they're like, no, 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 add more to this. So I guess he had to go back and like some reshoots and add some more violence to try to pump it up because Paramount's like, no, 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 add more. So like they kind of gave him a license to do it. And it's like, how do you, how do you come back from five? Right. And be like, oh no, that almost got an X rating to like, you know, just do a little bit more. Like, where do you find that happy medium? You know? And there's some, I like, (laughs) I wish they would have showed it in better detail, but come on. The, the one, um, was it the sheriff getting, you know, just pushed over and snapped in half. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite kills in the series. Yeah, it's. I think it's definitely the best in this movie. And uh, I, I don't know. 
I think I like the uh, the, the bed uh, in uh, Freddy versus Jason, which is kind of the same gag. <laughs> yes, yeah. I I think I like that one just a little bit better. But yeah, you're you're not wrong with the uh, you know it being one of the the tops of the series. It's up there with like the sleeping bag kill. Oh yeah, and also like uh, you got a good head crush. You got like I think you got two good head crushes in this. Uh, and then, you know, it's just, you had, you know, also the paintball stuff too, which by the way, like talk about like some of the, the humor in here, I, that sequence, like it, it shows up early in the movie and the, you could tell with the music, how they have like that military beat to it. Like that, like, you know, you, like, the, you know what this movie is, but I also love that we have this like brief, like, uh, like what was it? Corporate retreat with paintball and you hear like the, the, the military drum and then Jason's out there and it's just the whole, like. As much as much as I love the moment where the guy gets his face shoved into a tree and it's a bloody smiley face, like an actual smiley face in the tree. If you want to tell me, like, if there's one part of the movie I could do without, I don't need the smile there. But it'd be funny if it would have left like the gore of a smile. You know, what yeah. I, mean? I, I think that's what you and I are talking about, right? Like that would have been. But I do like that. Whatever Jason takes that guy's arm off and just looks at it with holding while holding the hand with the machete, like. <laughs> Like that's, a, <laughs> and also the brief sight gag, like of when he gets shot by the paintball gun. I just like I, like just you ever like. I guess the part of this that also shines through for me is that you can tell that the people involved loved what came before. It wasn't like they're like I'm going to make something different. They're like we're going to go a little different with this, but we we were in the theater for the other ones and we just cheered along and threw our popcorn and had a great time with all of this. Right? I feel like it was in good hands. Yeah, and I, I do wonder, you know, Tom McLaughlin, I don't want to say his name wrong, it's McLaughlin, right? Yeah. McLaughlin? McLaughlin, yeah. Okay, I don't have the IMDb up, it's bad on me, but, uh, um, you know, when they're saying, you know, do you want to make part six, and this isn't like, this is 1980s part six, this isn't like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're making, you know, uh, Avengers, you know, uh, secret wars or something, you know, this is, this is not like, Oh, you're making a movie that's very far down the line. Uh, and it's not a prestige project. Uh, this is very much like a director. I, I would imagine feeling like, why the hell do they think I'd want to direct this? Cause you know, it, there was not a lot of acclaim that came with doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I give him, I give him credit for one, uh, just trying something different, but also, um, for really caring in the sense of like, I've talked about how Friday five is my least favorite, uh, uh, Friday five, sorry. Halloween five is my least favorite of that series. And part of the reason why is, is because, uh, the, uh, director behind it had like no respect in the sense of like, he didn't really care about Halloween at all. (laughs) So, uh, it shows in that movie, it shows a lot. And, um, even if McLaughlin was not somebody who was like, Oh yeah, I love that series. Um, you know, if he was like, why do they want me to direct a part six of this? Why does it getting a part six? He, he doesn't show that in the sense of like, uh, he makes one of the best ones, I think, uh, by, maybe having some detachment, I think from the series. Um, and I, that may just be me projecting it onto him, but I, I, I don't know of him being somebody who is like a huge, like, you know, 
I'm going to make part six, uh, you know, kind of guy. He wasn't the, the guy chomping at the bit to do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm all over the place again. So, uh, well, let's speak to, let's speak about the, how this is like the, a, a inadvertent trilogy for the character of Tommy Jarvis, right? Because there's an actual arc in the series that we don't always get with a lot of, like we always get like, well, there's always been like, you have the people that live, they get to the sequel, they don't make it. Those people live, they get to the sequel, they don't live. Like there's this handing of the baton for a lot of these series. Tommy Jarvis is like the one that gets out, right? And it's like, and I don't think that was ever intended. Uh, in terms of, well, I mean, after four it was, but like he ends up becoming like, and, and credit to the the filmmaker here that he steers away from Tommy being like, you know, the next Jason, which was hinted at the end of five where they kind of like, I guess there was a supplemental material written for the video game um, where that um, was actually written by, was it, uh, I found this in the trivia. Was it Adam, Adam Wingard? Anyway, they wrote some other stuff that actually. I think you're wrote, thinking of Adam Green. Green. Yeah. Adam Green. Sorry. Um, you know, they made movies anyway, where they retconned uh, five, where it was like, it's just a bad dream in terms of him becoming like, you know, the, the next Jason, I think making Tommy like, you know, like this guy has done so much to my life. I'm going to end him now. And then making him like the, you know, the protagonist again, I think that was a smart move because then not only, not only are you back in because you have a character that is directly related to the series. And then he also is the one to understand like, Oh shit, Jason was bad. Now this is worse. I think that's a good gateway to the character in terms of like, also it just, you know, like who's the, who's the person that, you know, you as the audience are going to be like, well, he knows something bad happened as opposed to us spending half the movie, uh, like with all the characters, not knowing Jason's back. I think that was a really smart way of bringing Tommy in and also giving him, um, like, you know, some, um, eighties versions of like therapy to get through this. Yeah, the evolution of Tommy is interesting if you're looking at this as a trilogy, I guess. Um, obviously, uh, I almost said Corey Haim. Corey Feldman is only participating for an opening scene, and then we jump forward in five. And, uh, you know, I, I still don't know what the thought process was there because it's like, I guess there are places they could have taken that character had they kept mm -hmm. uh, him the same age and Corey Feldman didn't have uh, Goonies or something to make, you know what I mean? Like something bigger. Uh, so, you know, I, in, in terms of like what they did with the story, you know, I, I understood what they were trying to do with five uh, was a successful I don't know. Um, I keep talking about it though. Like when God kind of want to watch five. Why? Cause it's dumb. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes people get, get to... killed because of a chocolate bar, you know, that's right. what happens. <laughs> uh, and sometimes ambulance drivers who, uh, are, uh, offended by the sight of a human body, uh, having been hacked to shit, uh, um, might be also the cold-blooded killer. So, uh, I, I don't know. I I, I have a, a, a certain amount of affection for five, and maybe also because there's a part of it that's I'm like it's the it's like the one that's like this the the most sleazy, terrible one. Like it's it's a guilty pleasure. Like I shouldn't be watching it, kind of thing. Uh, maybe that's part of it. Um, 
but but there there isn't a whole lot to do unfortunately with when we pick up with Tommy here, it's not like there was really an arc for him in five anyway. Yeah. Um, and this is not at all on that actor, but like they don't even give him much dialogue in that film. He's mute most of the time. And I understand that was to make him more Jason like and uh, distance him from the other kids or whatever. But, you know, five, they don't really develop the, the character of Tommy. And uh, here, Tom Matthews feels like the grown up Corey Feldman. Like if you, even if you took five out of the equation, like five, just, you didn't see it. Like you'd be like, Oh, that's the kid from the last one. He's just grown up now. Like. And considering he's still part, he's still in a hospital. He seems actually pretty well adjusted. All things considered, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, granted breaking out, taking a truck and he's taking a mask of a killer, you know, and, and Horshack with him and some gas (laughs) to go. But it's like, he seems he seems pretty with it, you know. Like so, good on Tommy. He's figured some shit out in the meantime. Yeah, and I, I know the actor. You know, we we talked about this. Uh, I guess probably not on the show, but uh, two years ago when we went to Living Dead Weekend, uh, he was there. And uh, you know, I think of him uh, as, uh, um, uh, and I'm blanking out his character's name in Return of the Living Dead, but. I, I I think of him from that movie, not from this movie. And I feel like you're very much, this is the Tom Matthews, like Tommy Jarvis is, is Tom Matthews to you. So, um, you know, I, I think for a lot of people like yourself, he's, he's the definitive version, even so much so that a, they make, uh, a fan film with him involved. Um, and, and B that, um, uh, they included in those, uh, that video game, you know, that version of Tommy Jarvis. Yeah. You know, I, I got to play with him a couple of times and I did not do well. Um, and I just got to <laughs> tell you that even though I had the shotgun and I was trying to help kill Jason, I, um, thank goodness that I wasn't the one responding there, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I like, I just, I, I think he has a good chemistry in terms of like his, his, his presence is pretty good. Like in terms like chemistry, not the right word. He has good charisma here. He's a good looking dude. has good charisma him with, uh, you know, like also I want to mention here, Jennifer cook. Um, uh, like is that? Yeah. Megan, right. They have a good chemistry together. And also I, I don't know. She wasn't a damsel in distress as well. I mean, she was more like, I'm, I'm the sheriff's daughter and I just want to have fun. Something about that also felt kind of refreshing. Cause you always worry about like this final goal problem. And she was like actively wanting to always be involved in the shit that was going on. Like, except for the very end, whenever, uh, you know, uh, you got, uh, you got Tommy trying to put like the world's largest rock into a, like, you know, a canoe. And then he was like, you know, like, um, you got to go with the kids and then all of a sudden Jason goes towards the kids and he's like, no, come back. I'm like, but you just told her to go to the kids. That's weird. Anyway. Um, I thought she was actually a good like uh, partner in crime with him, especially during like the whole, like them running around in her car and her being confident with her. Was it her Camaro? I thought that was a lot of fun. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if we get that kind of character in the earlier films. I don't think we get that character actually in the rest of the films either. So um, that's actually a very good point. Not something that I had considered to be perfectly honest. I think, uh, uh, the closest we might come to that is maybe Amy Steele in two, because, you know, uh, she's the one who's 
yes, she's the final girl, but she's also the one I think who is, uh, no, cause that's going to contradict myself as well. So I, yeah, I, I don't know that we get that, that strong, um, final girl, not final girl thing, uh, anywhere else. Cause I was, I was starting to think of Kimberly back in, in part four, uh, who plays uh, Tommy's older sister, but even her, she's kind of reduced at the end of the, co- the the final girl. So um, the fact that she is, for the most part, sort of the balls of of, of, of the uh, uh, two, in the sense that, like, Tommy's supposed to be, you know, determined. And I guess that's the other thing I liked about this. I, I, I'm going to go back to Tommy real quick. Um, the performance. Um he didn't play him conflicted at all. Like he's not, and I don't want to say not remorseful, but he's also, he's not like, I've got to, I've got to do this thing and I've got to take out Jason. It's more of like a guy who's just like his only rational way to beat his fear is, is he's like, I got to make sure he's dead. You know, um, I, I like that about his performance, but, um, in relation to, um, and now I've got the girl from part four on my head, but the <laughs> Megan, uh, correct from six. Yeah. I was looking it okay. up. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I do think that she is, I think you're right. She's the only, I don't want to say competent, but I'm trying to think of another female within the series who isn't the final girl, final girl, um, and plays a much more, um, go-getter as opposed to passive character within the story, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, at the end, like when she's with the kids and she comes over and she, she even go, well, even to be fair though, she goes out into the water to get Tommy after, mm-hmm. you know, his confrontation. So she actually has a lot of agency. I mean, if I'm using that word correctly for this, I, I mean, it's one of those things like in terms of like when this was made and in terms of like this, a lot of stuff we talked about, like set in the eighties in terms of like, uh, uh, you know, sex, sex roles in terms of, the way women are treated, even though like there was the bit where, you know, she even, she even was like, get down. And she shoved his, his Tommy's head and her crotch whenever she was like driving to avoid the cops. And she's like, stay there. And he's like, whatever you say, like, that's a sex joke. We get it. But it's like, she's the one that chose to do it. And she knew what she was doing. There's a difference there. Right. Like, and I'm pointing, I'm, I'm putting my finger at the screen repeatedly. Steve, you can't see it. Like I'm making a point. I'm just getting aggressive. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess the point that I was trying to make is, is I often think of the final girl, uh, in terms of, you know, uh, being a victim. Mm-hmm. And I feel like here she's much more of, she's much more active in the story in facilitating Tommy because she, yeah, she's the only one who believes him. Yeah, and she gets him um, out of jail again, and she gets his supplies, and she even makes the comment about like, "You gotta hide your truck because they're looking for you." Like, yeah, yeah, like, and she, yeah, like Tommy wouldn't be able to fix his mistake, his mistake that killed a lot of people, including her dad. I want to see the short film dealing with that later and be like, "Oh, like, well, how Jason come back? I brought him back. My dad's dead." <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty hot though, right? She's like, "Yeah," like <laughs> they just drive off in their Camaro. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, you know, any other time that we are handled, handed that type of character or hand, handed a female lead in this film, they're the final girl. Like it's it's rare uh, for a film really to have a final guy, if you will. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like that idea. I guess I hadn't th- th- thought in those terms before about her character because she is 
okay, Friday the 13th movies, there's always, uh, you know, sex subplots and, you know, relationship subplots and, you know, um, who's going to get laid, who isn't going to get laid, that kind of thing. Um, with Megan, like, she's, she's a, I don't know, co- um, character with him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't ever feel like she falls into uh, being the girl who you're like, oh, I w- I'm waiting for the scene where she's going to take her top off and then Jason's going to decapitate her. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I'm she's all not, over the No, place. no, no. She's I, not, she's not just filling time. Yeah. A, a compliment to the character and I, I'm messing it up. So, <laughs> no, you're not. Can it, we just start the podcast over? We can. Let's just go back to the beginning. No, uh, so, no, I just, I wanted to point that out. I also want to point out, too, that, like, um, that <laughs> also, I like I, I forget the kid's name, but the one that was the one camp, like, I'm going to talk about the camp stuff in a second, but the one camp counselor, he's just like, hey, I'm John Travolta the entire time. <laughs> Like I felt like we had we had the kid with the headset, right? He was John Travolta. He was just trying to be John Travolta the entire time from like, you know, it thought, like tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I thought it was funny how how he was just trying to be that guy the entire time. And he actually had some funny bits too. Some of his ad libbing in the RV, not great, but pretty good. Most of the most of the counselors are pretty fun. I also want to mention, to my knowledge, this is the only film in which we actually have kids at the camp. Which seems weird for a movie set around a bunch of summer camp killings. Yeah, I, I well, it's interesting because if you look at the series, you know, uh, the first one happens, and then the second one is them. The kids haven't gotten there. They're supposed to be trying to fix fix it back up, and you know, make people forget about one ever happening. Uh, three, I feel like. Do we even actually go to the camp in three? I don't think we do. I'm sure uh, there are people yelling at me now and I'm wrong. But like four is very much not about the camp. Uh, And then five is sort of like, well, it's in the same area, but not at the camp. Yeah. And then this is, yeah, uh, this is pretty much, I think, the only time that we see a functioning camp uh, or one that uh, is, is ready to open. Uh, if, if you will. Well, I also like the idea. It's like, all oh, the kids are here. And then it's like, Oh, it's summer camp. They're like, it's for the weekend. I thought, that was yeah. really confusing too, because if it's for the weekend, everybody overpacked. I, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but like, the fact that you actually have kids there. So there's actually like an honest threat uh, to the kids, which I know in the movie, we have Jason look at the kids and that he doesn't go after them. However, I will say though, he changed his mind at the end. He was going to go after those kids uh, before uh, she stepped in. Uh, cause I think the, all like, uh, I also like the, 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 the humor of the, the two boys talking to each other about like, well, we're dead. <laughs> I know we yeah. talked about that. We started, started recording. It's like, well, I like that one off joke of like, well, what'd you want to be when you wanted to grow up? That's, uh, that's a really funny joke. And then also there's a gag involving everybody reading books as they fell asleep. And then like, there's like the, 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 like, was it one kid was writing a letter to like parents? Like I'm having a good time at camp. It's like, you're going home in a day and a half. Why are you writing a letter? Anyway. <laughs> um, and then there's somebody else reading a book. And then like the one kid's reading like this, like really serious, like something about like, I just like something about philosophy or something. And it was just a funny little joke. It's just like, I, there, there is a, uh, there, you, they, again, they knew what kind of movie they were making, but having kids involved and then also kind of being aware was fun too. You know, and it's like, it's a, it's a camp. Like, why can't have kids? You know, like, I'm glad that that's what I'm saying. Like, there's the, like, I guess what I'm, and I'm all over the place too. So 
I think that the film hit, it hit an end in four and they're like, but okay, Jason's dead, but what if, and they, they didn't quite stick the landing like they wanted. They're like, we got to bring Jason back. And I feel like this was not, it's not a best of, but it's just like, you have five films worth of material to be like, well, why do we love this? Why did this work? Okay. We're going to bring this in. We're going to, we're going to be a little bit aware, especially whenever there's that couple in the, the car, like was the, the Volkswagen uh, where they see Jason and the, the, the lady who happened to be the director's wife. And she's like, well, if I know anything about, you know, scary movies, when someone's just standing there staring at you, you leave or whatever she says mm-hmm. that sets the tone. Right. And it's like, we know we're going to have a lot of fun. I understand there's the American express gag that no one will get anymore. Like ask your, ask your parents, kids. Um, you know, uh, it's just, just, I feel like it was this, um, not love letter, but it's like, they're like, we, we, we enjoy this. How can we bring our love with this going forward? And then, and then, uh, amp it. And I know that you're talking about the gore and the violence, maybe needing to be a little bit more there. I agree with you, but it's like this, this movie. And, um, I, this is my favorite of the series. I've said that at the beginning of our talk about this, um, cause I feel like it's like the purest, like, uh, distillization of this idea of what we had for the original, like five entries. And then it just, it, it ends up going like, yeah, but what if now he is like, he's an unstoppable, like inhuman monster, as opposed to being like, you know, Jason, like now we made him, now we made him unkillable. And then after this, the rest of the series goes in different directions. It's a lot of fun too, but like, it's like this nexus point of like, this is like pure, pure Jason. And I love it. And I think that's why I also like Jason X as much as I do. I think it's my second favorite of the series and people can come at me is because it's like, Oh, you've already made him immortal. Now what are we going to do? We're going to take him to space and now we're going to make him immortal. And also like machine, like, like, where do you go from there? Like, you know, like I just feel like both of them are like, okay, well we've gone this far. How much more dumb can we get it? All right, let's just do it. And I think these two, like I think they're bookends in a lot of ways, and I, I I adore six because I just it is like just it is the triple filtered Friday Thirteenth experience for me. Yeah, and you know, whereas for me, you know that that perfect Jason experience is you know part four for me, you know, and again, I also can't separate out you know that that was the first horror movie I saw in the theater, and it was a movie that I shouldn't have even seen. I'm still like. I, I still love telling people about how, you know, my mom was so shocked to have that not only that, that she agreed to take me to see the movie, but also that like, you know, when she got older, she had completely forgotten about it. And then I reminded her and she's like, Oh my God, I'm a terrible mother. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, trying to separate that aside, you know, that nostalgia factor for it, you know, uh, I, I definitely see this being the, the spark of, you know, the series allowing itself to get weird um, and for good and for bad. You know, uh, we we talked about how Friday 8 um, tries to take him to New York, but doesn't have the budget. So you get a little bit of New York that's actually really Toronto. Like, uh, at least they, they were trying different things. Um, and, and I don't think that you get that if you don't make this, you know, if if. You know, I don't know. Let's say if they had used, uh, you know, the current model that both, uh, um, uh, like the current uh, child's. Well, I guess child's play is just never. It's not really ever really been rebooted, other than the one remake. So that's not a good analogy. But uh, um, 
you know, let, let's say that uh, um, after five, they're like, well, we got to go back to basics. And they're like, what we're going to do now is, is we're going to we're going to make like a new part five and we're just going to start here and pick up from part four, you know, um, and Jason somehow. Uh, I don't know how you I don't know how he comes back from that, obviously, other than the lightning bolt. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they try the Halloween 2018 approach, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, they're like, well, let's go back to basics. I don't think that you get some of the wonderful, weird places the, oh, the yeah. series goes if you don't get Tom McLaughlin stepping in and, and bringing humor uh, to this movie and a tongue in cheek or um, meta, as you called it, uh, approach. Yeah, I just like I feel like if you're going to do that, then you dial back to like we're going to do we're going to make a Hall- Halloween Friday Thirteenth two point five. You know, like what do you like? How far back do you go to where it's like we got to you know we got to like get back into this like you know the timeline to make this you know we're going to tell our own story. Uh, it you know you're right like. It just the two that was the 2009 remake, I think, is as close as you're going to get to them trying to fiddle around with a lot of this. But that one felt like compressing four four movies into one. Uh, it's not bad, it's just it is what it is. Uh, with this though, it's like I feel like this gave the the, the franchise like it, it's also, I think it also is kind of like a lot of other people are looking like, well, Jason's dead now, we could like and they got away with it. Can we can we take a leprechaun and put him in space? You know, like it's just, you know, I think that there's a lot of this, like, well, let's just see what happens. Cause I know there was other concepts for, uh, additional Friday 13 films that didn't get made. The one I would have loved if he would have ended up in LA in a gang war, that would have been like, I need to see that movie. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't know how you get him there, but I <laughs> would love to see him in the middle of all that. That would have been amazing. Uh, and there were some other things too. I'm sure that there's other concepts that I, uh, you know, are written about, but, um, but yeah, it's just something about this. It's like. It's, it's very much liberating, but also staying true to why we love this character, right? And it's like, now we have more of the reason to be like, well, how are you going to stop this guy? You know, and it's like, and um, and then the director even talked about how he used um, the kind of the vampire mythology of like, you got to, you know, you got to bear him with like, you know, or something about within your own soil where it's like, well, Jason was drowned once. We got to drown him again. I, I, I think that's like, I think the, like the, the this is the best way to put Jason down, which is like, you're going to stop him. You, you like, you might be dead. Probably not, but he's going to be the bottom of this lake and just like staring up waiting. Like how, how cool, how cool of an ending is that? Right. It's like, Oh, he is contained, but it's not over. That's a, like just, it, it's a chef's kiss ending for, for a Jason movie for me. Yeah. Um, Thinking about both the opening and the ending, I think that this might actually be the one with the the strongest of both. Um, you know, I I, I, mean, I guess maybe outside the original, I don't know that I can think of a better opening. And it's not that the first one's a better opening per se, as much as it is just being the first. So I think two is interesting just because we actually catch up like six months later, right, or whatever it is. And he goes yeah. to wherever Alice lives and kills her. Yeah. I think that's interesting. <laughs> wherever that is. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it's just like Jason had to ask for directions. We didn't see that. Part he got of a it. cab. Um, <laughs> it's like the guy's like, that'll be 12 <laughs> done. Just, like, <laughs> just kills him. Oh, um, yeah. But, you know, uh, as you were talking about the series and, you know, it, 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 it occurred to me that, uh, one, 
we never really got uh, uh, okay so we got plenty of jason after part eight but we didn't get another friday the 13th like if i were to own the rights to friday the 13th or i was you know um whoever has it now i don't know if it's new line or if new line is because I, I i thought that they're warner brothers because i don't think new line actually exists anymore whoever holds those rights to make a friday the 13th movie i would make a part nine i would call it you know because it's, so it's sort of like doing a halloween 2018 mm-hmm. but you're really not negating anything because you can say well jason goes to hell is still still counts it's still there yeah you know i would make a part nine and i would set it because i feel like uh part eight comes out i think in 89 so i'd put it like i literally i'd make a period piece i'd make it in like 1990 or 1991 like i i i know that uh um that's a ridiculous idea and nobody would want to make that movie no, but like because I mean, like uh, part eight takes it was released in uh was it 89 and then uh jason goes to hell it was 93 you got four years to play with there why not yeah let, have fun and and I guess that's what going back to like the consistency of uh, the series. While the quality of them varies, it's still a very consistent franchise, if, if nothing else. Um, and I think that that goes a long way. Um, but you know, six is if if it's not uh, you know my my favorite, it's certainly one that I recognize as being important for. Uh, you know, this movie's what, 86, 87? So, like, the next, you know, 30 years of that character um, are kind of born out of this movie. It's it's important in that regard. I mean, it's a rebirth in a lot of ways, right? Like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's like you're, you're, re, you're literally reviving a franchise. And yeah. then it's like you're just opening it up for everything else. And it's like, it's just, it's like, I, I don't know. Like I, I was thinking about this because um, through the magic of editing, people didn't realize we've taken a couple of breaks because, you know, we're professionals here and you won't know it. Uh, and, well, I mean, I guess we're not professionals, but you'll never know it with the breaks that we've taken. Um, I was thinking I'm about this. I'm pretty sure they know I'm not a professional. I mean, I'm not either. I'm, I'm, I'm a hack and a fraud. But if someone that I you know said to me like, I've never watched Friday the 13th movie. I don't, I, I really don't care. I'm not a big horror person, blah, 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 blah. I'd be like, I'm going to show you one. We're, we're going to have some popcorn. We'll have like, you know, a couple drinks. I would put this one in. Right. And if this one doesn't win them over and makes them interested for the rest of the series, then, then that's, that's fine. But I think this is, this is almost like the come on in, let's have some fun. And then you you can go backwards and forwards and see where the series went. Cause, cause this does a good job of, you already know that like, you know, it's Jason, like Jason's so stuck in the, the pop lexicon, right? The mask and everything, right? He is the man behind the mask. Um, and also they do a good job of Tommy explaining why he has beef with Jason. And then also because, uh, you know, camp forest green, they literally talk about how, like, we don't talk about this anymore. And then all the counselors are like, yeah, you know, that camp that we're going to be at, we know some shit went down. So the mythology is still there. Like it's, it's a very self-contained, in a lot of ways, its own little story. And I think this would be like the perfect barrier for entry for people like, Hey, you want to, you want to watch this? Cool. We have a lot of interesting things to talk about later. I, I just, I just, I just, I don't know why it would take six movies to be like, this is the one that you should watch first, but that that's going to be my argument. People can tell me I'm wrong. I probably am. Uh, no, I don't think you're wrong. Um, 
I, I, I would make the argument for four only because I think that that movie's uh, opening with the montage. Oh, yeah. That does a good job, films, too. Yes. Because I hadn't seen the other three films. So that's technically the first time I see that movie or any Jason, if you will. Um, so it, it, that to me, but again, it's my favorite. But yeah, I don't think that you're wrong in being like, if you're going to start with one, start with six. That's not a bad choice. Because ultimately, even though one is the originator and it, it's the only one that has uh, a Jasonless, I mean, it's not Jasonless, but it's a uh, Jasonless plot in the sense of uh, who the killer is. Um, I. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know that that really is setting somebody up for what the series becomes anyways. So mm -hmm. that's fair. You might as well pick the best of, uh, you know, when the series gets to be crazy and batshit. So, so I think six is, I, I am agreeing with you. That's my long way <laughs> of saying I agree with you. Uh, so, um, okay. Uh, so we, we like, I also want to mention to Alice Cooper with the, the, his songs he contributed a lot of fun. Like I just, and, and you know, you're going to, we're going to play a particular song at the end that everybody will know from this movie. Like it's just something about that also kind of major makes a little ageless. Cause you get like this, you know, like, you know, rock icon being like, yeah, I'll do some, some songs for a Jason movie. Like I, I think, I think the last one that we talked about was, was it the second Halloween movie ghost put out a song that ran alongside with that movie? Was it uh, Hunter's moon? I think the name was the name of the song. Yeah. Um, I need more songs to go with movies, please. Can we keep, can we make this a thing still? Cause the other one that came out in recent memory after that was, uh, the psycho Gorman rap at the end of psycho Gorman, which was amazing. But I know that was made on purpose for that movie in particular. And it was like a throwback to like eighties rap. Uh, you know, but it's like, can we have more, can we have more songs from like movies? Cause either they're amazing or they're terrible, but I, I need them all. I, I want, yes. you know, yes. And I, I have one request. They must yeah. uh, have the name of the movie in their title. <laughs> yes. Cause you know, you know, uh, TMNT internal power, you know, whatever it is, you know, like we got to have, you got uh, wild, well West. Uh, yes. You you, know? Yeah. You got a, a ninja rap with uh, you know, that wasn't the name of go the movie. Ninja. Go ninja. Go. <laughs> yeah. You know, we need, uh, but like, you know, like sometimes they're amazing. Sometimes they're not, but there's no in between. And I need, I need, I need all the good and the bad. Please make more songs for movies. Like, the, like, was there, was there a song released specifically for Top Gun Maverick? I'm sure there was, but I don't recall what it was, but I need, I need more of this. I need, I need all the songs for all the movies. You know, my wife makes fun of me because I have a lot of like songs on my, my phone that are by, you know, uh, an artist and that's the only song that they have. And she's like, what is this song? And I'm like, Oh, it'll be X, Y, Z. She's like, what's this from? I'm like, Oh, well it's this band. And then I'll tell her and she'll be like, is that from a movie? And then I'm usually like, yeah, it's you're like, it's the movie. song like, new year's evil from the, the movie new year's evil. So, you know. <laughs> that song's pretty rocking. I actually <laughs> like that song. Some of the other stuff, not so much, oh, but the, the actual like overall theme. I, mean, I enjoy you're that like, song. This song is called... and I just showed my age because I used the term rockin', which was never cool. Yeah. You're so, like, listen, like... the song is called Monsters Rule Okay from this movie Monster Club. <laughs> uh... 
<laughs> no, but she she thinks it's funny. She's like, half of your music is just, or you know, songs that you heard on like TV shows or in movies. And I'm like, yeah, that's Ver- versus what the radio, like, <laughs> you know, like how else are you going to be exposed? Well, to she's very much a you know, uh, you know, uh, buy the album type of gal. I, su- uh, I suppose, although she's, like, yeah, she's more Spotify now, but like, uh, you know, she's. She, she comes from a very different musical uh, approach. For the way comic books are important to me is the way music is to her. Okay. So like, uh, she has much bigger ideas about you know how people should feel about their music. Okay. Okay. So here's the question though. This is going to put you on the spot, Steve. Are you ready for this? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. Was she familiar with all the songs in that movie before the soundtrack came out? The mixtape. Uh, I couldn't say if she was familiar with all of them, but I'm going to say probably most of them. Ah, okay. Okay. But do you think maybe because of that movie that like her appreciation for some of those songs shot through the roof? Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just that, you know, I, and I'm not like this with anything else, you know, it's like for me with music, like I have, you know, certain bands where I'm like, I get, you know, whatever album it is of theirs that comes out and I'm always going to listen to them. Uh, and then everything else is just like sporadic, just everywhere. Whereas like my wife has like 30 favorite bands. So, okay. So, I mean, yeah. we also know that you didn't know a single thing about Metallica until the last seasons of stranger things came out. And then you got excited because of it that. was, it was a revelation all up until that <laughs> point. My favorite band was air supply. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know, I do like some hall and some oats. But uh, no, uh, so all right. Um, any other thoughts about uh, Friday Six? Uh, I just, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to always get my fingers underneath something I love because it's like all I feel like I do is gush. But I love this movie. I do. It's it, it just, I, I don't know. Like, does it have a little bit of problems? Sure. I, I don't think there's a perfect Friday Thirteenth movie. I'm just saying. But in terms of like this being like a perfect, like distillation of what this franchise is, that's the hell I'll die on. But I, I adore this movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why I've been so scattered and flustered this evening during our conversation, but, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I walked into this conversation wanting to stress how much I think that this is a very good Friday the 13th movie, and one that I will say that I don't think that you're alone in. Um, I feel like a lot of people, this is their favorite. Um, so that being said... You know, I keep struggling with the whole, like, well, where do I put it? And, you know, ultimately, who cares? What does it matter? Like, it, you know, I, I like all of them. Uh, it's like my wife with her bands. Uh, you know, she's got 30 favorite bands. But, like, you know, I like all the Friday 13th movies, some more than others. Uh, but what I wanted to impress, and I, I'm going off topic again. The, the thing I'm trying to impress is I think it's a very good movie. I think it's a very good Friday 13th movie. Um I just, I don't know why I am so confounded by where I place it. And that's the thing that's just been tripping me up in my mind all night. And again, I don't know uh, why it's not higher. Cause I, I, everything that I think about everything that you've said about this movie and all of the things that I've have been thinking about while you've been talking, I'm like, why isn't this higher okay. on my list? I, I know why one Jason design two not sleazy enough. And three Crispin Glover, not dancing. And it's, that's the three well, things well, we're missing. 
to be fair, uh, the Crispin Glover thing is missing from all the other ones. So, yeah. Um, does that does that take points away from every one of them? Like, <laughs> why why couldn't there have been like a hologram Crispin Glover and Jason X just for a second, just doing some dancing at at the camp <laughs> Camp Crystal Lake segment? I okay. I that that would have that would have taken the movie to like like it should have been won the Oscar that year, but it didn't happen. So yes. Yeah, and uh, this is the only thing that I was going to bring to it from some of the quote-unquote research I did. I watched a documentary. Um, the uh, producer on this was apparently uh, very pin- uh, penny-pinching, more so that I don't, I don't recall in the documentary any other uh, doc, any of the other directors or people talking about somebody being like very penny-pinching. I guess the producer on this. Uh, got a bonus if it came in under budget and uh, um, they uh, and Don, found Be- out- Don Beams is the gentleman's name who's the producer. It looks like uh, Beams, B-E-H-M-S, Don Beams. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess they had found out that uh, part of his deal was the RV had like a thousand dollar cooler on it and he was supposed to get to keep it after uh, they were done filming. And the crew was not really happy with the guy. And once they found that out, they made sure that it got destroyed when the RV flips so that he didn't get his cooler. Yeah. I love, I love the idea. It's like the screw you of like, Oh no, we destroyed the thing that you wanted. Oh, well I think that's hilarious because they make, they make it a point in the movie to show that RV just getting wrecked, which by the way, also that sequence of Jason with the girl in like the small bathroom, that's Mm -hmm. a great sequence, especially whenever you got John Travolta up front, but like just, just some of the stuff he says is stupid, but he's just like, this, this thing moves really well. I love it. You know, like the whole thing he's just driving. There's, there's the gag before she goes in the bathroom where she keeps going like tumbled back and forth in the RV. That's funny. That's legitimately funny. And then Jason being like, Oh, I cut off the power to the RV. I'm going to lumber in and not smell like a bag of maggots. And I'm going to hide <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> like, you know, like, like it's almost like, I wish there had been the bit, like you see the RV, like tilting to one side because of how big he is, is sitting in the bathroom waiting for, for the girl to show up, but it's still a great, and then him shoving her face against the, the metal of the, like the RV, how that makes no sense, but it's a great gag. That's a, that's a gag I could live with more so than the smiley face. Like, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, that is a good gag. And actually, that RV flip is pretty great. Um, I, and there aren't that many, you know, for all the things that happen in Friday the 13th movies, there aren't really stunts per se. You know, there's there's gags and, yeah, there's some physical um, stuff like the sleeping bag kill and things like that. But, like, there aren't really, like, you know, cars getting overturned or, yeah. um, you know, explosions. Um, I guess there's a, a fair amount of fire. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I think that that might be the biggest stunt probably in any of the movies. I mean, until you get to the, um, you know, um, was it the Grindel going through the space station, the big city? Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> that's yeah, not and, a stunt, but it's like, oh, that's some vehicular homicide of an entire space station. But it, <laughs> 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 no, but it's just, I, yeah, anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm dragging this out a little bit further than it needs to be. But yeah, I just, yeah, it's a fun movie. Like, and, and and be like, oh, if we ruin this for you people, no, we haven't. Go go watch it. It's so much fun. Like, it is, you know, like you, the you know, the world's burning. You deserve like you know an out like ninety minutes of some just throwaway, well done fun that is well meaning. And there's a, there's a, a wonderful, you know, black beating heart through all of it. 
It's just, it's just a fun movie. And this is, this is what you would think. Like you go to the video store on the weekend. This is the shit that you grab. Right. And it's so much fun. And I thank you for picking as a topic. I, I love this movie and people need to, to love it as well. I'm going to make you love it, whether you like it or not. You're going to come over. People are going to come over here. I'm going to force them to watch it and we're going to love it. Okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I really don't know what that means, but you know, come on over. You're going to love it, whether you like it or not. All right. Fair enough. Sure. Right. So I think that's going to do it for our discussion about Friday six. Um, you know, this is, this is, was it the, is, is this literally the sixth one we've talked about, but not in order? I think we talked about Probably, that. Early. Yeah. 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 Um, so other, other ones are coming. We'll eventually go through the whole series, right? I, we will. It's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, yeah, give us your thoughts and feelings about, uh, about your feelings about Friday six on our Facebook page. It's invasion, the podcast, wherever you find your podcast rate reviews, be greatly appreciated. We do have a blog that, you know, I did make sure that it's still active. Uh, I have not added to it, but you know, I keep paying for the hosting. Uh, it's invasion, the podcast.com go there. There, there, if there is a Jason article that was written, um, I think 18 years ago by Steve there. It was about yep. a potential reboot. Then that, that you know, all then that never um, happened. Never happened. <laughs> but you can give Steve's thoughts about what could have been that may, still has not been. So I think that all still pens. You know, I think that's. I think it all. I think it's all accurate still because it hasn't happened yet. So there. Uh, yeah, and Steve, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, uh, which I was bitching about earlier. Uh, as uh, the Saturday Night Slasher, you can find me. Uh, on the internets, if you want to visit our website, it is the Saturday night slasher.com. Unless if you want to buy a copy of the comic, you can go to our Etsy store, which is art of the slash. All right. So, uh, yeah, now we're going to go from, uh, some Friday 13th talk to, uh, I, I, I was going to say some wizarding talk, but Steve has a game about, uh, comics and wizards. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right. So tonight's game, uh, I we, I've talked about it uh, earlier in the show. You know, I'm really trying to focus more of my attention on comics, and a lot of that um, has been me going back and one reading things that I haven't read, but also going back and looking at some things uh, from the times that I remember loving comics the most. And uh, certainly a big piece of that is uh, the nineties, which is ironic in the sense that a lot of people uh, is when, you know, they, they left comics or they're like, yeah, I, I decided that uh, after I wasn't going to make a million dollars on my Superman 75, that I was done. <laughs> um, but uh, even though it was a period where the, the industry came very, very close to death numerous times, uh, I do have an affinity for it. So I've been revisiting Wizard, and I'll just throw this out here real quick. I'm not that far into the podcast, um, but I've started listening to, um, it's called Wizards. It's a Wizard podcast. Um, and basically, they're just going through and reviewing old Wizard magazines, uh, talking to the people who are behind them, um, and talking about the topics of, uh, uh, of the particular issues. So... Um, with that in mind, I pulled up an old copy of Wizard. Uh, it's actually Wizard issue 67 uh, from March 1997. Uh, and I basically put together just a little quiz for Paul to see, 
you know, uh, what he might know uh, about the stories that appeared uh, in this specific issue and have some fun looking back at uh, the lens of the 90s. Because it's I'm, I'm starting to realize just how crazy stuff was was in comics <laughs> in the 90s. And um, I, I'm kind of loving it. So. Who knows? I, 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 if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have been like, ugh, the 90s. But, you know, now I'm like, ooh, the 90s. Um, I, I don't know if that's just nostalgia or me realizing that things weren't as bad as I thought they were. Um, okay. So after that very long intro, uh, Paul, you were reading comics in, in March of 1997. Am I correct in that? Um, yes and no. I, I just started college and I was like, I'm a grown up now. So comics shouldn't, that's when I tossed all, all my comics because I'm like, I'm a grown up. So I, yeah, I, I just was like, I, I can't read comics now. I'm supposed to do grown up things like, you know, read books or some shit. I don't know. Read, read the Bible like a grown up. So yeah, it was, okay. it, was well, it was a rough uh, time. It was, yeah, I was a freshman in college, not comics, but I was definitely wearing sweatpants reading the Bible. Okay. Well, if there are any things that I bring up here in unique um, clarification, uh, please just let me know. Um, but I think there's there's nothing in here that's too crazy where you're going to be like, I don't know what that is. But um, to give you a little bit of an idea about where we are in the period of comics, um, we're about halfway through the run of uh, the Heroes Reborn era where Jim Lee and Rob Leefield have taken over um, the... Uh, Fantastic Four, Avengers, Iron Man, and uh, Captain America. I can't believe I almost forgot Captain America. <laughs> You're going to mention Liefeld um, and Captain America with this. You better. Yeah, you better remember that. <laughs> yes. Um, Kingdom Come has come out. DC is sort of being known for uh, being more writer-driven. Um, Image is now in its, well, I guess it's going into its fifth year at this point. And uh, Marvel uh, is still sort of at the top of the heap. However, uh, they will be declaring bankruptcy very soon uh, after this this time. So uh, I feel like it's within months that they end up declaring bankruptcy. So with that in mind, um, the first question here is about uh, Amalgam Comics. Did you know? Do you know what Amalgam Comics was from DC and Marvel? Yes. Okay, so question one. The first big story in the issue uh, is about the second wave of Amalgam comics that are coming out from DC and Marvel. All right, so uh, what they did with their, their crossover was is they, they basically did mashups of the characters. You had Captain America and Superman being Super Soldier. So with that in mind, um, I'm going to give you a list of uh, four Amalgam characters uh, one of them is made up by me. You have to tell me which one's not real. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, is it A, Lobo the Duck? Is it B, Dark Claw? Is it C, Night Devil? Or D, Spider Boy? So um, can I phone a friend? I'm kidding. Uh, Dark Claw <laughs> is real because that was uh, Batman and Wolverine. I know mm-hmm. that. Um and the first one he saw was, uh, was it Lobo Duck? What was it called? Yeah, Lobo the Duck. Lobo the Duck. All right. I want to say that's real too because that feels that's very like fourth wall breaking garbage. Uh, and then what was the other two? Night Devil and Spider Boy. 
Actually, you know, I'm going to rephrase night devil. What, what would night devil be? Um, do you want the example? No, well, no, I like, so spider night, night devil's the fake one. Okay. Well, Nightwing and daredevil. Bah. Okay. Um, but, uh, you're right. It is the fake. Oh, his, uh, spider boy was, uh, which still was like, it felt like they were lowering Spider-Man where they're like, he's the combination of Spider-Man with Superboy. I'm like, <laughs> really? Yeah, there's not more of a top tier character that you can give Spider-Man. Yeah. It's just uh, like, you know, like, like you could have just you partnered up, like do him a Batman where it's like, you know, spider bat. That'd be way more confusing. That would be way more fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> or it so, could be man, man. <laughs> you know, <yeah>. like, <laughs> what is he? He's just a dude, but he's a re- you know, he's he's really a dude. It's man man. <laughs> his parent, both of his parents and his uncle are dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this next one here, um, this is uh, an advertisement question. Which one of these is a uh, is not a real advertisement that was in the issue? Uh, a, the Guardian of the Crystal, an expertly crafted hand-painted wizard figurine. Uh, was it B, uh, a collection of Beavis and Butthead episodes first time on VHS? C, Lady Death's Erotica Edition number one? Or D, Too Much Coffee Man's Toilet Paper? Which one of these was not a real advertisement? Uh, the Lady Death Erotica. Yeah, that's that one's fake. <laughs> the others are real. Damn it. All right. You got me. Um, I just, you know, I just feel like cause wizard that, that the erotica might push it just too far. That's the only reason why I guess that. I also think that I, I'm supposed to applaud you when you do well, where I'm like, ah, damn it. No, cause no, no, no. Yeah. I feel shame whenever I really try hard on my quizzes and I'm just like, <laughs> I didn't trick Steve. Well, unfortunately these aren't very funny. Most of them are very just factual, uh, because I'm like, well, this is weird enough. I don't know that I need to take this, uh, anywhere else, but, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping to get you on something. So we I'm got sure seven. you will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, when pulled, uh, about which crossover they were most excited about wizard readers were excited about which of these following crossovers the most. And these had, these were all announced. They just hadn't come out yet. Uh, so is it a Wetworks warriors of plasm? Is it B, Batman Aliens? Is it C, Batman Gen 13? Or is it D, Generation X Gen 13? Which one were they the most excited about? Most excited about? What, what, the, the second one was what? Um, Batman what? Batman Aliens. And the, the, the third one was? Batman Gen 13. Mm. The fourth one. That's the, the two gen ones. Yeah. Generation X gen 13. Yeah. Yeah. That was 38% of the poll. Um, Batman gen 13, which actually never came out. Uh, 10%. Uh, Batman aliens, which did come out only 17% and Wetworks warriors of plasm. I made up. What? no, I did. So I did, I know there was Batman versus predator than Superman versus aliens, but there was Batman versus aliens. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. If, uh, if memory serves, I believe it's drawn by Bernie Wrightson. So it's a really good oh, book. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, was there ever in my, was there ever a bat? Uh, sorry, Superman versus Predator because Superman has X-ray vision. He's like, there you are, boop, gone. They ever do that? <laughs> uh, I don't remember if. <laughs> so I feel like at one point, Batman faces both the aliens and the Predators. There's a a. Actually, it's in my comicsology if you wanted to go look it up. But um, they put out a collection of the Predator and Alien crossovers, I believe, okay. with the DC uh, universe before they left Dark Horse. So um, there's at least two Batman Predator miniseries. I feel like Batman faces off against the aliens more than once. I could be wrong. See, that's that 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 feels like that's a better venue for Lobo, right? Like I need, yeah. I need Lobo to go up against like the aliens or the predator. Tell me, tell me that wouldn't be a cool story with him being like, Oh, you're superior to me. Screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to just be a complete asshole and mess everything up. So you have to come to me. <laughs> like I could see him taking like, just like making all the wrong decisions on purpose to draw the predator out. Like that would be, Oh, I need that story so much. Yeah. And it, it was really crossover crazy. Um, you know, for, I don't know, a good solid, like two or three years. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like within the nineties where comics were waning, they were absolutely waning and every publisher was trying to find out ways to, you know, um, well, there was make another dollar. And there was that bubble of like all the, like they, they soaked everybody right for all the specialty shit. We've talked about that before with like all the, the big events, the, you know, the gatefold, the die cut, the foil issues. Yeah. Like I could see how people turned away and said like, oh yeah, but what if all the, all the toys in the toy box started fighting each other? That makes sense. Yeah. It's like, I, I looking through an old wizard, I saw that there was a, um, Asriel Ash and Ash is a, a character, uh, independent character that Kazada and Palmiati create before they go and do Daredevil. They do a, about a year or two worth of uh, comics, uh, both Painkiller Jane and um, an Ash, which is a he's a firefighter um, superhero. Um, but at some point they were like, we're doing a, a, a crossover with Azrael because he's the first person who draws Azrael or creates Azrael, I should say. Hmm. Um, but I was like, they did a crossover. I'm like, how? I lived during this period. I should have known about this. So I ended up uh, ordering it on uh, eBay recently because it was on their dirt cheap. But like the point that I've tried to make is, is that like they crossed everything over. Like it was insane at one one point. It felt like uh, every publisher was working with every publisher to cross everything over. Well, now I need a spawn versus venom so you can see how black you can make the pages. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really surprised. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, the fact that they're at Disney now, um, or if it's, you know, still an unhealthy relationship or something, but like, I'm really surprised that a spawn Spider-Man has never happened. It's, it's odd to me that we we're got, we've got three spawn Batmans now, um, and no spawn Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Spawn Ghost Rider. My God, like like that feels like that'd be much more in line with each other. But oh well. Anyway, continue. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up here, uh, there was an ad for the uh, Pittsburgh Comic Con that was happening uh, in April of '97. Uh, um, Pittsburgh Comic Con. Uh, I had been to a couple of times. I didn't go in 1997. 
Um, but it was a really good con. I it it died out somewhere in the mid two thousands, I believe. Um, I believe the founder of it was kind of crooked, or there was something going on there. But uh, um, that that convention kind of died. And uh, um, looking at the ad for it, though, I was doing a little uh, price comparison to like what it costs to go to a convention today. So um, based on their ad, you tell me what was a one day pass for the 1997 Pittsburgh comic comic con. Uh, what did it, what would it set you back? What was its cost? Was it a $15? B, $5, or free with a donation of six canned goods for the Monroeville Charity Food Drive. C, $10, or D, $8. D, $8. No, it was 10 Oh, you finally like, got me, Steve. Look at that. You got me, finally. I got you. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I feel like that last Wizard show I went to... Uh, before the pandemic, I feel oh, like I paid 35 for a one-day ticket. At least, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this Comic-Con was, like, stacked with... You know, I looked at the guest list. It was it was pretty stacked, like, um, you know, with actual comic book names. Like, you know, these were the days before you had, you know, for good or for bad, you know, I know everybody loves the celebrity signings, but, um, you know, there used to be conventions that were actually about the comic books, and they weren't... Just like, oh, they're a part of Artist Alley. You know, it was like, oh, Artist Alley is the whole convention. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our celebrities are these comic book uh, makers. So that's old man Steve ranting and yelling <laughs> at clouds. Um, all right. So next up here, um, things cost more today than they did back in 30 years ago. I'm mad. Um, <laughs> there was an advertisement for Thunderbolts number one by Kurt Busiek. And Mark Bagley. Um, and the advertisement featured uh, which of these following taglines? So uh, only one of these is the true tagline. Is it A, every hero has a dark side, some more than others? Is it B, I know this looks lame, but trust us, there's a cool twist coming. <laughs> is it C, one team, one goal, one dark secret? Or is it D, who do you call when the Avengers don't pick up? Oh, I thought it was Justice Like Lightning. That was the tagline on the book, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm, okay. So <laughs> go through them again. I know the, the second one's my favorite, <laughs> but that's not real. So. <laughs> Every hero has a dark side, some more than others. I know this looks lame, but trust us, there's a cool <laughs> twist coming. Uh, C, one team, one goal, one dark secret. D, who do you call when the Avengers don't pick up? Mm, I'm going to say D. That sounds about, because you're going to hide the secret, because that's the twist in the book, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's not D. Ah. Um, uh, but you're right. They put it basically in in the, the copy. It's one team, one goal, one dark secret. I don't, I, you know, here's here's me. I didn't realize the Thunderbolts were as old as that, as a, as a book. I didn't either until I saw that. I was mm. thinking it was like, right at the turn of uh, the century. Jesus I thought, Christ, I thought it was like maybe easy. mid to late two thousands. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought that, but Oh wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. But I, I remember like seeing advertisements sort of like who the hell are the Thunderbolts and 
they all look lame and I don't care about this. And then everybody's like, Thunderbolts is amazing. I'm like, why? Because they're evil. <laughs> all right. Um, next up here, and I'm sorry if I just spoiled Thunderbolts for you guys. Spoilers. <laughs> Uh, well, clearly this, like the original book came out in like what, 97. So, oh yeah. no, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, at one point, sorry guys, I want to tell you this, uh, Captain America says hell Hydra too. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're halfway through, uh, and the next one here, wizard ran a column in their toy section. Uh, and they, uh, basically had a, a list of the top 10 action figures they wanted to see get made. Uh, one of these uh, characters was not on the list. So three of them were, one of them is not. So which one of these was not on their list? Uh, is it A, Billy Tucci, she? Is it B, Onslaught? Is it C, Hut Slayer, Princess Leia? Or is it D, Rorschach? C. No, that was their number one, like, you know, one that they wanted to see get made, of course. Um it was actually Rorschach. You wasn't yeah, on the list. That's funny. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn my head to the left slightly. Um, <laughs> and well, actually, I take that back. I have I have a box of my items from uh, from my office that I finally picked up after like two and a half years of the pandemic. I have a Rorschach figure that's still in the box because it isn't because I was like value. It was more like what do I do with him if I take him out of the box? So I still I because that was whenever the, the when Watchmen the film came out, they put out all the characters. I have I have a Rorschach figure. Still, if people want to make an offer, it's it's slightly uh, it's in box, but the box is not in the best shape. But let me know. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll check in next week and see if you get any offers. <laughs> I, well, um, if I retired by that point, you'll know what I, what's happened. So. <laughs> All right. So um, this one is going to be rough, I think, probably because you weren't reading comics at the time, but. Uh, but the Bible, uh, is this a Bible comic related? Question? <laughs> 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 I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Steve. I asked, I asked God to smite you. I renounce, <laughs> I renounce God. And I'm now into Satan and crypto. Continue. <laughs> All right. So, um, you knew at least the format of wizard magazine. You oh, knew yeah, what they were about. Yeah. So hopefully this will, uh, makes some sense. So, uh, they actually broke from norm with this episode, this episode, this issue, uh, and they focused on an independent book. Which one of these independent comics would, did they focus on? Is it a poison elves? Is it B box office poison? Is it C scud, the disposable assassin or D bone? Okay. Repeat the question. Which one did they focus on? Is that the question? Yeah, okay. so normally they, you know, if it wasn't Image, Marvel, or DC, like, mm -hmm. you know, you were lucky if they paid attention to you in a lot of ways. But, like, they did at, at certain times that it would be like, I don't know if somebody was fighting editorial and being like, hey, this is a cool book and I really want to talk about it. And it's not published by one of the big three. Okay, um, so I think it was Scud. It wasn't Scud. So <sighs> they do write about him uh, at a different time, but there was a big article um, uh, uh, about, uh, this comic called, uh, poison elves. Have you ever heard of poison elves? No, that's why I thought you made that up. So that's why I was trying no, to, no poison elves is like, and I honestly don't even know if it still exists, but it was essentially like, um, elf quest, <sighs> but in instead of the elves being like elf quest, uh, um, they're like big burly and beat the shit out of people. Oh, like, no. what, what I like your description of the book. And then too, it's like, I was like, 
I was going to be like, yeah, it's like ElfQuest, right? Because my wife loves ElfQuest, and I've looked at some of the books. I'm like, I don't know about this. <laughs> but yeah, you love what you love, and I'm not going to I'm not going to completely shit over everything. But it's like it's not an art style I like. I do respect that the creators, you know, they they chugged along and they have their fan base. But if you're like, oh yeah, Poison Elves, I'm like, oh, is it like ElfQuest? You're like, yeah, it is. I'm like, son of a bitch. Anyway. <laughs> But like I said, the, the, the elves were much more darker, you know, they were brooding and, and, uh, um, formidable. So yeah, it's, I don't know. Poison Elves, Poison Elves sounds like just like one of the first enemies you run into in a Final Fantasy game. Like it doesn't sound that intimidating to me, you know, like, oh, they're elves. Oh, cool. They might make me shoes or cookies. Like, no, but they're poison elves. You're like, oh, they might make me uncomfortable shoes and cookies that will kill me. Like, okay, fine. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, and uh, Bone, I haven't read very much of. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, me looking back into the 90s, it's something that I do want to go back and, and read more of. Um, and then uh, I'll just make a quick recommendation for Box Office Poison. That's a real comic, guys, uh, and it's a slice-of-life comic. It's, uh, at the time, you know, because it was the 90s, they kind of called it the Seinfeld of comics in the sense mm. that it wasn't about anything specific. Like, it was about people, not not an actual like plot. I mean, there's a plot, don't get me wrong, but like it was, it was the Seinfeld, uh, at least, uh, in terms of it being a show about hmm. nothing. So it's kind of it was, like that you're, you're comparing to like, like American splendor type of like thing where it's more. Like, yeah. But like American splendor is, uh, for the most part of short stories, like this is, I don't know, 30, 40 issues of a, of a comic of a complete storyline. So I, I, um, I will be honest. I've, I am not familiar with this whatsoever. That Okay. okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, check it out. It is in my comiXology. It's, uh, a very, um, I don't want to say Robert Crumb esque type style, but, um, it is black and white and it's, it's very, um, cartoony. So, so, um, what, at this point, Steve, what is not in your comiXology? That's what I got to ask question. That sounds like you've bought all of the comics. Um, I've bought a lot of the comics <laughs> that I love that I am like, well, I don't want to have to go dig it out. So I'm going to buy a digital copy in case I want to look something up. Fair enough. Um, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I still love physical comics, but I, I will never deny the fact that like, it's nice to be able to look at on, on a screen and be able to blow things up and, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's times where like I might have somebody's access to a voodoo and be like, is that movie available versus me standing up and going to grab my Blu-ray and put it into my player? Cause I am a lazy son of a bitch. I'm like, is this, is this available digital that I can just watch right now? Like, so I get it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm like, I have to move like, like my body, like my bones, they have to do th- No, no, <laughs> All right, so moving on to the next one here. Um, who was the number one artist on Wizards' top ten artists list at the time? Was it A, Alex Ross, B, Jim Lee, C, J. Scott Campbell, or D, Joe Matarera? <laughs> J. Scott Campbell. No, it was oh. – oddly enough, it was Jim Lee, and I think the only reason it was Jim Lee was because of Heroes Reborn. Fair enough. Okay, but just because you, you, th- this is all leaning very horny. Like a lot of your questions, so I'm just oh. like, not because you've been like, oh, J. Scott Campbell has to be the guy, right? Because I mean, my I think gosh, he was number four. They were the, they were the top four. Yeah, um, just, 
but like look up his work people uh you you know somebody somebody did a really good job of drawing uh uh the the female figure not a good sorry good job's not the right word. Uh, there's a lot of bread and butter that was made there because of his uh you know his depictions of uh the female form is that ac- I think it's accurate, right? <laughs> Not, yeah. yeah. Look up Fathom. I don't know. Just look it up. I don't know. You'll see. Well, that's like, Michael Turnham. Michael Turner? Oh, sorry. Shit. Michael uh, Turner's Fathom. You're thinking of Gen 13. Gen 13. Danger Girls. Okay. Well, okay. So I'm still right? Yeah. No, like, <laughs> one was more pinup and he was more. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. One was more Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. One was more like, you know, pinup. So, yeah. Anyway. Like, sorry, I'm sorry I got my horniness mixed up. I, I apologize to everybody out there. There was a lot of horniness in the 90s comics. I yes. will grant anyway, you that. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, this next one here. Uh, Wizard always printed out, and I, you know, because it's reflecting numbers from three months ago for the print cycle, um, you know, this was um, a column that they had where it was like the, the top hundred books of, of whatever month that would have been, but it would have been the, the previous three months ago. So technically like the beginning of the year or December, I guess of 96. So, um, with that in mind, I looked at them and, uh, outside of DC versus Marvel number four, which was number 21, the first DC book to appear in the top 100, was JLA number two, and that was the 26th spot. Okay, so I'm going to do just basically a higher or lower, um, and you tell me uh, if, uh, you know, with one being the highest and 100 being the lowest, uh, which of the following comics were higher or lower than than JLA number two at the 26th spot? Okay, so uh, first one here, The X-Files number 25. Mm, lower. It was lower, but it was only in spot 30, 35. So like less than 10 spots away from JLA number two, which, uh, yeah. you know, that's pretty good. But, but again, I mean, it's still a niche thing though. That's why I always thought that might be a little lower than something a little bit more broad than DC. Yeah. But, but it's still pretty you know, good though. DC, You're right. Still, that's not great coming in at like number 26 no, for your but first the book on the was, list. Like, that's when they're at their, like their height, right? Like that was their Zenith and they were mm-hmm. like, you know, so yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, I don't remember if it's that summer or later or the following year when that first movie comes out, but I feel like that's when I remember it being Fever Pitch. Um, all right. <clears throat> the uh, the next one here, Magneto number four. Would that have been higher or lower than uh, 26? Lower. I don't even recall Magneto having a series. Uh, it was in the 18th spot, so it was higher. Um there's a four part mini series, um, which is funny because, uh, if I'm thinking of the correct series, um, Kelly Jones at the time is drawing Batman and he takes a break from Batman for two or three months, uh, to, and apparently he just goes and draws Magneto and then comes back and does another consecutive run on Batman for, I don't know how many issues, but, uh, um, it was it was weird. Like he didn't take a break. He just went and drew something else during that time, uh, which is something that you don't see of a lot of time anymore. I feel like a lot of people do like three to five issues and then they take a break and then maybe they don't even come back to the book at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a real comic, and uh, I don't even remember the story of it. I have it. But I don't. <laughs> uh, is it in your comicsology? I think it is actually. <laughs> 
because it's Kelly Jones art, and I, I love Kelly Jones. So, uh, okay, next up here, uh, pit number twelve, higher or lower? Oh, higher. It's it's pit. Uh, pit number twelve was actually at this point uh, was on the downside. So. <sighs> Uh, it was it was lower. It was come in the fifty six. Come on, it's Del Keone. You got to see all the muscles and muscles and muscles. Come on. <laughs> well, I think people were tired of waiting, you know, for the book, um, particularly at this time. You know, ever at, at this point, I should say the people who were there for pit number one are probably long gone. Sadly, was there delays uh-huh. with that book? I can't recall. Like I know there's some stuff with some. Keone was very. Uh, I don't know when they start, but he was a very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, unpredictable might be the best way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. He's or, still yeah. he's still my favorite Hulk artist though. Like I can't like his, him and Peter David together. My God, I I loved his Hulk, and I loved uh, David writing at the time. Yeah, I uh, uh, I wasn't reading it at the time, but I have it collected. So um, uh, I, I, you know, when I, I think of Hulk uh, around the same period, it's actually I think the artist who takes over after Keown uh, is a, a guy by the name of Gary Frank, um, and I quite like his Hulk too. But he's he's doing uh, a much different version than I think Keown, um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I got hung up there on. Let's move on. So Sorry, continue. I'll just start. I'll keep talking about Hulk artists if I do that. So, um, Venom, Tooth and Claw, number three, higher or lower? It's Venom. God damn, it's higher. No, oddly enough, lower. Uh, Good. Particularly in the nineties, it was it was the sixty ninth spot. Yeah, just it's like I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Venom as a character, but like Marvel is like, yeah, but what if more? And it just, you know, eventually you just, it, you wear it out and it's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta calm that shit down. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this next one here, I honestly didn't even remember there being a second spawn book at one point. Like there was a second book. Like I remember there were mini series, like there was the violator mini series. There was, a um, uh, a, a spawn Dracula mini series. It was called, uh, I think it was just called Bloodthirst or something like that. Blood Feud. That's what it was called. It wasn't called uh, Spracula or something like that? Like, you know. <laughs> no, but... Uh, Spanulica? I don't know. Or what about... Like, there's also... Was it Twitch and what's his name? They had a, their own spinoff too. Yeah, Sam and Twitch. I remember them having their own series. But at this time, I didn't realize that there was already a second Spawn series going on. I, I remember just there being miniseries. I didn't realize that there were, was a start of a second series. So... Um, Curse of Spawn number four, is it higher or lower than uh, the 26th spot from JLA 2? <sighs> I want to apply the Venom knowledge to this, but I feel like it's McFarlane and people are choking that stuff down. We'll say it's higher. Yeah, it is. It's the eighth spot. Mm. Yeah, so uh, pretty damn good um, for 1997. I mean, like, I guess. I don't know what that book is. Is it just McFarlane? Like after he's like already doing his thing, like and making spawn where someone's just running like a tape recorder in the background and whatever he's mumbling, they're like, we'll make it a second book. It's fine. It's fine. It's like, you know, just <laughs> it's like, or he's like writing stuff out on napkin where it's like spawn does things. It's like, yeah, what else? Chains, capes, like whatever filter, just make it work. You know, like it's fine. <laughs> guns yeah and you yeah. know I, the uh santa twitch book is something that i've never read and i've heard people i remember people praising it at the time and it was written by brian bendis pre-marvel so i'm kind of 
that's interesting uh, to me. I didn't know that. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious to see what those books are. Um, I may have to track some of them down. Um, but I, I feel like it's like late, late 90s, very early 2000s. Which uh, is different that, than Sam and Max. That's a different detective duo. Um, that's correct. <laughs> they're, they're dogs, right? Well, one's a bunny. And the other one's oh. a dog, I think. Okay. Uh, my wife would kill me if I got that wrong because she's played a lot of the Sailor <laughs> Max games. But they also end up running across the Ice Cream Man from the first, uh, was it four or five issues of Spawn? That's not a crossover I want. Never mind. Continue. <laughs> Billy Kincaid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ugh, all right, continue, please. Go go forward. So, yeah. yeah. Um, instead of, because uh, I've, I've only got two more on here. Um, w- one of them is Captain America number four. Uh, by Rob Liefeld. Uh, so yeah, you oh, higher you or lower. Did, sorry. Continue. Yeah, that was um, higher. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, the last one here, uh, the, the, the book that came in at the hundredth spot. So obviously it's lower, uh, was e- evil Ernie's baddest battles. Number one. Oh, I, you know what? Uh, evil Ernie. I remember that being a thing. I don't remember much about it, but it was a thing. And I hadn't thought about evil Ernie and, 20 years at least maybe. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I think dynamite owns him now. So, uh, I'm, I'm surprised that there hasn't been sort of a resurgence for that character. Cause he was, there was, a, there was a part of the time. I mean, obviously lady death and evil Ernie created by the same guy. Lady death is, I think the one who becomes the big popular one, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, evil Ernie, I, I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been a resurgence for that character. So that's fair. Um, all right. So the last one here, uh, there's a video game section of the magazine. Uh, um, there's four games I'm going to read off here. Uh, what video games were they talking about in this issue? One of them was not from this time period. So we've got, I shouldn't say time period. Sorry. That weren't, uh, talked about in this specific, um, issue. Um, but, uh, was it, uh, A, Tomb Raider, B, Spawn the Eternal, C, Twisted Metal 2, or D, Iron Man, Exo, Man of War, Heavy Metal? It's the last one. No, that was a real thing. No, it's a real uh, game. I just I, I got the timing wrong on it. Because I remember Exo, no, Man of War was a Valiant comic. Yeah, yeah and... Um, I didn't realize it was a real thing until I was looking at looking this up. Um, not, not as in right now, but when I was discovering this whole issue, um, tomb Raider is talked about, uh, twisted metal two, which I'm like, I, I, we got a PlayStation in 97 and I thought like the second one didn't come out till like 98 or 99, but apparently it was out by 97. Oh no. Like the one they, they, yeah, they, they chucked those out like once a year, like, <laughs> like that. And there was a series that the, there's a lot of vehicular combat games that like, that was a whole genre at the time. Uh, one of my favorites. I, so even though I was reading the Bible, wearing my sweatpants when I was in college, uh, PlayStation one had a, a, a series that was put out by Activision. And I, Oh, uh, what was the name of the, the actual producer? Uh, Luxoflux, I think was the name of the producer, the actual developer. It was called Vigilante 8. Do you remember that game or no? No, but I'm going to apologize to you because um, I misread my own question. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so to be fair, I didn't miswrite my own question. It's that I wrote my question out wrong. It was, uh, these were all supposed to be, uh, um, they were reviewing PlayStation games. Okay. So 
that's why it was spawned the eternal because i'm like that's around that same time why why do i have that on here and i realized i left out the word playstation so my apologies no, whatever it's just i want like vigilante let me let me pitch you the idea it's a vehicular combat game set in the 70s at the, the height of the gas crisis Right. So because of this, the law enforcement have been moved into the cities and not like out in the middle of nowhere because like gas is like a scarce um, commodity. But there's a bunch of people that are like out in like the West that are like fighting over like Mad Max style kind of. But this they have group good guys and bad guys. They end up like stumbling into Area 51 and they end up like finding alien weapons as well. So you end up having like an AMC gremlin with like like weapons and you have like large Cadillac with like one of its weapons is a large speaker that could do a bass like quake that goes outward. It's like, it's like mixed seventies disco gas crisis, alien weapons. You get vigilante eight. I love that. There's a guy in a, like a Scooby-Doo van that uh, believed like aliens were watching them and like his special ability would that he would like call down little UFOs to take out a vehicle. It was so much fun. I love Vigilante 8. I miss that game. I wish that was a franchise that was brought back. Yeah, I don't know that game, and I it sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> Twisted Metal was, I, I feel like, the game we played the most. Oh, yeah. Because uh, what was great about it was is that you could sit down and play it for 10 minutes if you guys had 10, if you had 10 minutes. Or if it was like, what do you want to do tonight? And it's like, I don't know, play Twisted Metal for four hours. Like, yeah, yeah, you could do either. <laughs> yeah, so there's also uh, what was it? there was a green like like a Chevy truck with like a camper on the back of it, and this guy was like a beekeeper, but because like you know alien tech, he was able to like send bees out to people. And his special ability, he would just send bees at people, and you hear bees like like Nick Cage level <laughs> bees, and just send swarms of bees after people. I I loved that game, but that's not the question that you asked about. But I talked about Vigilante Eight, and that was something that I. <laughs> When I was, what was, I was a sophomore in college. Um, I got a refund on my student loans and they're like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I'm going to go buy a PlayStation one as opposed to give that money back. Cause it's going to haunt me for years. Yeah. <laughs> and so I made the wise investment of getting a PlayStation one with Vigilante eight, as opposed to, you know, realizing that I was like 19 and had no idea the trouble I was bringing myself by keeping money from a loan. So there we go. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, look back on it now. Wasn't it worth it? bees yeah it was worth it I don't know. <laughs> all right well this has been a very uneven episode for me this evening i'm giving myself a nine um, <laughs> a, a nine out of out of nine and a half yes uh, <laughs> no, i don't know uh i feel like we're at the end point though where yes we are wrapping up yes and, you want to tease what we have coming up here oh absolutely what, what's coming up next is um we're gonna finally be talking about John Carpenter's body bags as we continue on with our uh, year of Carpenter that is now stretching on beyond a year of Carpenter because you know what we've got this far along we're going to run it out it's going to be a lot of fun I've not I've never seen body bags so that's my admission it sounds like a lot of people I've been talking to including yourself have seen it this will be a first time watch cannot wait to get to it I believe we're going to have some guests on for it that's not been confirmed yet, but I think, I think it's like an 80, 85% chance we'll have people on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait to get to it. Yeah. And, uh, guys, I don't want to give away anything, but you know, um, they said that like, you know, when he returned, the rapture would start. I can't say who our guest is, but you know, they're a returning guest. So yeah. if the rapture happens, happens, you know, it was Jesus. 
Yeah. I'm going to say to you, I'm going to, I want to wrap up this episode with this, Steve. I'm going to paraphrase one of the quotes I found here from uh, (laughs) Friday 13th part six. Hey, Steve, what are you doing back there? Taking a dump? Mind if I come back and snatch a peek or vice versa? (laughs) Uh, Vice versa. Give him up. <laughs> Does he think I'm a fart head? <laughs> yeah!